I also like women's clothing. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, June 6, 2019. This is your award-winning Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 1144. This is No Agenda. Now available in dark mode and broadcasting live from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm asking the question, why do we kill watermelons? I'm John C. DeVorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. This may qualify as a great question. Please expand. Seems, seems brutal. Why are we well? Watermelons? They're not. They're minding their own business, and they're accumulating water, mm-hmm. and so they get to be huge. Some of them, like huh. huge, and they're filled with water and and some seeds. Yeah, and they're hoping that you leave them alone. And <laughs> Here we go. You, <laughs> now all of a sudden, seeds. the environmental activist John C. Dvorak, a side we've yeah. never seen before. It's it's really it's quite touching. Yeah, and then the watermelon would, like, reproduce. But no, people would go eat the watermelon. That's not true. It's unbelievably cruel. Watermelons reproduce all the time. Just look at John Kerry's head. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We might as well start right away with setting something very straight with our producers. Yeah, because I've okay. seen at least 10 different tweets. Can't wait for you guys to deconstruct... The Vox Adpocalypse. <laughs> Vox Adpocalypse. Vox Ad demonetization scandal. So we need to uh, once and for all clarify what's going on. Have you followed any of this with uh, YouTube, with their new rules and, and demonetizing thousands? Well, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking about you. And what I was thinking about was, would you, or yeah, I, I, I'm probably in the camp too. Why is YouTube paying anybody anything? Okay, well, you, you're, you're actually jumping ahead. Before we get to that point, just a quick backgrounder. Um, this is a game, and the game typically plays out on Twitter with verified badges. And the game is, let's see first if you can get a badge. And then if you have a badge, you have to fight against everybody else who has a badge who you don't like. So their badge can be taken away. This is the verified status. Either the I don't ba- know that any badge has been taken away. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. People have been unverified. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. You're no longer. It's like some punishment. You're no longer verified. Okay. I guess. Well, now, that's, that's part of the punishment. But now, all right. <clears throat> but now we have YouTube. Where we have uh, people fighting, uh, you know, this political discourse and then saying, you know, one YouTuber says something to another YouTuber. And I guess Steven Crowder criticized Carlos Maza of Vox, who does uh, kind of provocative gayish, he's gay, but, you know, gayish videos trying to, you know, basically call people out to do something that he can then, in the game, go and get them demonetized, deplatformed, etc. I mean, that's literally what it is, this game. But the term demonetized is where I draw the line. This is not about demonetization, and this is why it drives me nuts to see no agenda people not thinking this through. This is not about YouTube punishing somebody for, oh, well, we don't agree with what you're saying. Oh, no, we're going to take away your money. This is not about that. 
This is decommercialization. Again, this is only about big brands. I'll use AT&T as an example since I have a quote from them. Big brands who do not want any controversy. They want a brand-safe environment. We care deeply about where we appear and whether it reflects our values and whether it breaks that trust with our consumers, spokes whole for AT&T. It was a moment to remind us that marketers must have their hands on the wheel at all times of their brand's destiny. What? Oh, yeah. That said that? As powerful as digital platforms are in today's advertising ecosystem, they can't be permitted to disempower the brands that use them to reach their customers. Any non-human curated platform will have risks. The question is, are advertisers willing to take the risks? And generally speaking, no. Brand unsafe or inappropriate things happen, and it comes down to you hoping to get the obvious things. This is, is this from, you're still reading this? New York Times, yeah, with AT&T uh, why would they? Show. Why would they write something like this up? Who, who, the New York Times? Oh, it's the New York Times? Yeah, this is the New York Times. I thought you were talking about, uh, I thought you said it was a letter from AT&T or it's something. You, yes, it's a New York Times article, an AT&T person talking about YouTube. Oh, okay. And what they don't want. And so it's not about demonetization. You're absolutely right. YouTube, Google doesn't give a crap if you make 10 cents. If you make 10 million, they don't care. They really don't. All they want is the remove any possibility that any piece of content might appear next to an advertiser or an advertiser appear next to that person, which is why you demonetize. You don't demonetize, you de-advertise, decommercialize. So you there so there's no risk to them. They, it's not punishment. Your video is just as dumb. And by the way, it shows that you will have no chance with your content if you think you're going to make money with advertising anywhere. It just doesn't work. Well, I don't want to back up the back up too far. Mm-hmm. But uh, how is it that this is important? A mm-hmm. and B. Why? What? What deconstruction is needed? We've been talking about this exact same topic. For a decade. (laughs) Well, there's no deconstruction. All that's needed is to understand the terms properly, I think. You're not, someone is not being demonetized. That's what someone who no longer receives a check says. Unimportant in the game. For the eight billion a quarter or whatever Google uh, has in actual profit, it's about decommercialization. Get rid of the ads on that channel. Hey, and this guy, he keeps doing weird stuff. Get rid of him altogether. What, you're, you're in the media? People are talking about you and you're weird? Now, get off. We don't want you. We don't want you near our advertisers. That's it. Now, of course, what's cool about it is ultimately people will move somewhere else. Now, will advertisers move over and start to pay people and monet- re-monetize them? No. No. There's a couple of ways it can be done. This show is one example of them, obviously. But a lot of these... Uh, People and personalities and channels will just need to go away. You know, my favorite thing about this is some guy gets, you know, kicked off or whatever they do and sign the petition. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, how weenie do you have to be? Sign the petition, demand his return. Yeah, that'll work. Well, then, so the troll room immediately says, it's only conservatives and uh, people who like Trump who are getting banned. Yes. Hello. 
Have you looked at mainstream television? It's the same advertisers. They don't want anything to do that can be deemed as promoting Trump. That is negative. They can't sit in the boardroom and have someone bring it up. They can't sit at their dinners and have someone bring it up. Hey, why are you? Why, hey, why are you? I saw an ad of yours near this guy who likes Trump. That's crazy. So it's I'm shocked. Not, it's so it so the, there is one. There's one way. Well, there's two ways out. One is do what we do, value for value, and take your vow of poverty, which I think a lot of YouTube creators already have assigned signed up to. And the other way is to uh, go after all advertisers and say, you know what, your ad is here. I hate you. I hate you, AT and T. For you know, it doesn't matter what video it's on. Just post that. Do what Sleeping Giants does. Do what Media Matters does. It's gonna. It's not gonna help, but it'll make you feel better because that that's where that's where the true power is. People really have power. Anyway, so. This is not about demonetization. The term is decommercialization. Got it? Yeah, <laughs> Repeat after me. Exactly. <laughs> Great wrap up, Curry. Well done. You nailed it. Punch, yeah, punch, punched it right at the, the end. Build up. <laughs> Here we go. Dynamite. And this is, hey, that's why I'm a podcaster. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. that you cut the end off. I do want to play just a minute and a half of this this Carlos Maza just because his idea of okay first of all tell me who's interesting I, I, this whole thing kind of yeah it went past went you I asked me and I didn't get the notes you got I guess maybe I did but <laughs> no, I, I don't know who this guy is I don't know any of this stuff and I don't care that uh, much well then why do you want to know well I, you're talking about him I want to know who it is okay so Vox Media uh, who I think their main in, uh, investor at this point is NBC Comcast NBC like two two hundred million dollars. It's, you know, it's, they're just throwing yes, money NBC, in there. They hate Trump. Yeah, you know that. and it's and it's money thrown away. But okay, then they think it's the right way to go. Um, and this one guy, Carlos Maza, does videos for Vox, and here is an example. I'm done. I'm finally done watching Fox News. It's rotting my brain. And only boomers watch that crap anyway. By the way, are you starting to understand why this guy is not decommercialized? You know, he's hating on Fox News. This is plus. This is how you oh, stay yeah. in the money. Bonus him. This is bonus time. From now on, I'm watching real news. <laughs> John, let's send him an attaboy. He's doing real well. That actually matters. And I'll never have to worry about Fox News ever a two of the headlines on fox news tonight He's gotten a lot of attention thanks to fox news started on fox news yesterday on fox news last night on o'reilly last night on hannity this morning on fox and friends fox was all over the story i want to play this clip from fox clip from fox clip from fox news earlier it makes my head explode when i see these clips from fox news oh god it's everywhere there's no escape Thank God for Fox News. Thank God for Fox News. Thank God for Fox. You get the truth out. Thank God for Fox News, or otherwise, no one would be talking about these issues. In an ideal world, political journalism looks like this. On either side, you've got the parties, fighting for the attention of the press. And in the middle, you've got journalists, sorting through what's important and what's just partisan bullshit. This is called gatekeeping, and it's one of the most important things journalists do. Is this true? Is this how it works? Journalists are gatekeepers, and they call themselves of that, and they're proud of this. There's there's more truth to that than uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you'd like to think. Well, I'm I'm Sorry with you. I'm say. with I'm with you on that. But is that something that they teach in J school? 
No. What's just important? arrived. And what's just partisan bullshit? This is called gatekeeping, and it's one of the most important things journalists do. Political operatives can spin whatever talking points they want, but ultimately it's the journalists who decide what's newsworthy enough to pay attention to. But that is in an ideal world, and we don't live in an ideal world. We live in hell. And in hell, there's Fox News. Fox exists in this weird in-between space because it claims to be a news organization, but it's essentially a Republican front group. Now, so this is why this guy stays in business. People love that. And so... Whatever he said, and I think his screen name is uh, Wanky Fag or something really weird, something dumb. And uh, what's his name? Steven Crowder. You know, he's playing, he's doing the David Goliath thing, which is, you know, it's, it, sometimes it works. And so he would make jokes about him and in a talk show format with opinion. And YouTube said, well, that's kind of okay because, you know, it's just a talk show and he has an opinion. He's not necessarily, uh, you know, beating up on someone specifically. He's responding, well, that this can't be. And so that's when this whole thing started off. And then they decommercialized him, uh, which just spun it into overdrive. And then YouTube came out. Well, actually, they, they went to the Anti-Defamation League. You know, they went to all their guys. Uh, Southern Poverty Law Center, and that's how they came up with the. Actually, they had a website, change the change the terms dot org. It was they were really for independent fact checkers doing interesting um, campaigns. Uh, but I have here, I think the article that will the kind of how it started off, but it went awry. So the way this started off is it being uh, Pride Month. LGBTQIAAPK Pride Month. Uh, this could not stand that Crowder was, uh, you know, saying, hey, you've, I think he said uh, he had a t shirt or something. It's, uh, Socialism is for fags. I don't know what it was. It's, it's completely unimportant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the outrage. Off with his head. <laughs> the outrage at first was YouTube is, is letting people, especially during Pride Month, they're letting them hurt LGBT, and they're giving them tools to hurt LGBT. Bullying, and sadly for the LGBTQ community, this uh, they were abused as usual because it's really just about monetization. Now all you hear about is the money, the money, the money, the money, which you know, arguably, no one really deserves in the first place. And if you build a career on that, you know, podcasting does. It is an entrepreneurial business. Same with YouTubers. And you have to keep an eye on the business side of it. And, <laughs> and if you don't, then, oh, well, sorry. So that's basically what so happened. So you're, you're saying that the naivete of the, the, the probably the T-shirt. Uh, Didn't help. Was not keeping an eye on the business side. I mean, when you're at a, a commercial operation. Uh, this sort of thing is drummed into you. you yeah, can't do and, this, and YouTube can't do is a commercial operation. People are are confused about this. They seem to be confused. It's not a charitable organization. They're just giving you money because you're a good looking guy. The uh, I'm remi- but there but there's a certain there's a certain sort of uh, stupid. The thing that bothers me is the is the bull crap from the top that disclaims any idea that there's non-objectivity taking place. In right. other words, they, well, no, well, we don't, we, we, we don't do that. This was for a good reason that we've cut this guy out. Yeah. Uh, there was a good reason. He was mean. 
<laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm going to take it right back to the New York Times. And I'm going to take it back to an interview. I was uh, somewhere on the net somewhere. I was given, I was talking with one of the old editors, one of the famous old editors that was doing a book on various personalities and in, in new media. Mm-hmm. And I was being interviewed on the video. And I mentioned to him, I said, well, you know, there is a self-censorship thing that goes on and it goes on everywhere. Sure. Uh, a, a writer, for example, will, you know, say f- that you kind of know that some specific advertiser is really spending most of their money at, on your publication. That is not the time that a smart writer would go and do a uh, <laughs> a story about 5G. <laughs> An investigative piece on that company showing that the that the CEO is a douchebag. Yeah, exactly. you just don't do it. You self censor, and that's what you do if you're working for that company. It's called self preservation. Self preservation. Yeah. The editor says to me, "I don't have his name handy," he, he, which is somewhat insulting, I guess. But I, I'm sorry. Uh, he says to me, "What?" <laughs> if I knew a reporter was doing that, he'd be out the door. Exactly. And exactly. I thought to myself, what bullshit is this? And I asked everybody I knew that's ever worked for the New York Times, including some people that retired from the New York Times. They all had their jaw dropped. This bull crap. We all do that. You have to do that. You, you don't want to get fired for calling out some advertiser in that way. Yeah. Not necessarily. You can always put the story off. Uh, so, so, so there, so I'm, and I think he was sincere when he said this, he actually thought for some crazy reason, I guess he was never a reporter that, uh, people don't act this way and that's what you do. And that's what you do to keep from being kicked off the platforms. You have to be smart. And if, if your, if your revenue is derived from advertising, which I think most people who are YouTube creators are. Uh, Zoomers and millennials who uh, hate advertising, don't give a crap about it, and they just forget that you know the money you see, the check you see, is from the advertising that shows up. And if you're going to do anything that is adverse to that, then the ads will stop. It's how how simple is this to understand? And that it is, of course, conservatives and people who support Trump. Of course, it is. Advertisers don't want any part of it. Go turn on Fox. Look at Tucker Carlson. The My Pillow guy has a three-minute infomercial every break. <laughs> they can't sell it. They can't sell ad anymore. It's been very successful. The uh, I have not seen a, a Subaru commercial or a Toyota. No, no, or no Lexus way. or even even those drug companies. Yeah, although there probably are some drug companies that are in there. Yeah, he's he's done some a lot of anti-drug company stuff, which is well, that's no good. No, it's no. and it won't last. Tucker Carlson will not last. It's 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 not it's not a possibility in the world of media. It it will have to change. Yeah, and either I think he's you're probably right. And either he's going to have to go on some sales calls and adjust some things, or but even then, I I'm just not sure who will do it. That no one wants the risk. There's plenty of outlets. Yeah, you don't need to advertise on. Tucker show unless you're a huge Tucker fan and yeah. and if you're a Tucker fan and only advertising for that reason the board should get you out of the company there's even an analogy to the value for value model there's lots of people who love to support the show uh, and they love to even have a, a note read but they want to be anonymous okay understood respected doesn't work when the advertiser wants to be anonymous <laughs> you see so 
you, it's, it's, I don't know. So that's our deconstruction. We've been doing it for 11 years. You should understand yeah. by now. It's de- decommercialization. And of course, it's targeted at people who, who support the president because look at the mainstream. Well, in fact, and it always will be. You sent me, um, I, I pulled a clip from it. I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't see it show up in your clips. This is Jeff Zucker uh, talking yeah. about CNN. Did you not clip that? Even though you, did you send it to me hoping I would clip it? I didn't clip it. I just didn't feel like it. Oh, well, I clipped it. And uh, this is Jeff Zucker talking about CNN's position in the cable news business. He is the uh, boss of uh, CNN. Where was he before? He was NBC before? Zucker? Yeah, he's the genius at NBC who put Leno on every day of the week at 10 o'clock, <laughs> kicking off all the tentpole shows that was done by Dick Wolf. It took him five years to recover Law from that, order. didn't it? <laughs> Ah, let's move Law and Order out and put Leno on every night. Didn't it take him five years to recover from that? I don't know if they've ever recovered from it, to be honest That's about a good it. point. Here's Jeff Zucker now at the CNN and doing quite well as they are uh, very low in the ratings. You, you're now in a, in a, in a real race um, in many ways on, on cable television. CNN has huge reach digitally. But you also have this uh, on television itself. You've got this kind of political map. MSNBC has branded itself or for years branded itself as kind of the liberal or left leaning station, although they seem to be getting bit by bit out of that business. Not in prime time, though. They still are very much in prime time. Do you think they'll get out of that business? Out of the liberal? Yeah. No. How would you draw the map of the three obvious cable? So there's three cable news networks, right? Um, Right. And uh, obviously... You know, Fox News is... uh, I can't believe he is just shunning One America News. This is outrageous. Um, So, look, there's three cable news networks. Uh, You know, certainly in in prime time and in the morning, Fox is state-run TV and is extolling (laughs) the, uh, uh, the line out of the White House. MSNBC has become the opposition... Um, and I think CNN is seeking the truth. And that's really the way we look at the map. Um, state-run TV, the opposition, and we're looking for the truth. Do you think the other two networks are not broadcasting the truth? Well, I think that... Uh, and that, and that C- CNN has a hold on the objective truth? Look, I, I think that there are clear agendas at work at the other cable news networks, uh, depending on their political uh, um, points of view. Well, I don't know if this is the best strategy to be looking at the truth. It appears that not going for the truth is much more successful. Yeah, well, of course, the other thing is about the other thing to consider is that he's deluded. <laughs> In what way? They're not objective for the truth. They're more. They're just as bad as MSNBC. They're extremely <laughs> slanted. They have terrible shows. They're just all bashing Trump. I mean, come on. Who's he kidding? When a real news story breaks out, let's say, like in Russia when they were, you know, when the fall of communism was taking place, CNN will put people there and do a really good job of coverage. That's what they do best. But that doesn't happen. But once every year or two. Well, that kind of ended and, with the green screen in Iraq. Uh, <laughs> They're really good coverage. That. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's <laughs> another thing they've been spending. I just think that they're deluded. They're not doing a very good job of anything. They're extremely slanted and bigoted. 
it's a horrible operation. Now, you wonder why nobody watches it. Even the, the left, if they want to watch something, they'll watch uh, MSNBC, which is at least entertaining. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, it's MSNBC all day. Uh, seriously and and sometimes i just yeah, want to say that i i just can't imagine you they're sitting there hunched over <laughs> lay, leaning forward from the couch chewing on. on popcorn as you watch msnbc no just, no let's let's understand no no i have it streaming to my hearing aids in the background all day so i'm just walking no, around worse <laughs> i'm not allowed on the street in that condition because it could be very dangerous to my health but uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's I really I really enjoy listening to it. And I could pull a million clips from it, but then you know who gives a shit? You can watch that yourself. I did get a clip from CNN regarding uh, this doxing of this guy who did the Nancy the Pansy Explosive video. The, That's another thing I kind of missed the doxing. I heard about it. And I, think like I think it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit. I think I'm it sure was it is bullshit. Total, Everything else seems to be. It was. Uh, it's, and I think it started maybe even on Fox and Friends. So the story went like this. I didn't clip any of this, but the story went like: so the guy makes a video. He's just a single guy, just one guy making a little meme. It turns out he has a whole bunch of websites that he runs memes on and makes money on. But okay. Um, and he's also African American, and then. They went to Facebook and Facebook said, this is the guy. And they doxed him and they outed him. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, Facebook really did that? I have a hard time believing that. And although it doesn't explicitly debunk it in this clip, this is uh, the reliable sources with Brian Seltzerwater and the, I don't know if it's the guy who wrote the story on from Daily Beast or who broke the story or the editor or whatever. And he gives a little insight as to what happened and who this guy is. This is a video that was a hoax that reached up to the it's, highest, highest levels of power. With let's just stop it. It's not a hoax. It wasn't a hoax. It was at, at least a meme. If not, I mean, help me out, John. It's not a hoax. Making, well, I don't know this video, so yes, I can't you do. This is this is the video. Yes, you do. It's the video of Nancy Pelosi so. sounding like she's drunk. That video. That's what this oh, is that, about. Oh, the Pelosi video. Yes, the Pelosi. I don't think video. it was a hoax. No, it's not she a was hoax. Talking, wasn't she? It wasn't at the same speed, but it wasn't like a hoax. Yeah. So satire and uh, humor is now hoax. This is a video that was a hoax that reached up to the highest, highest levels of power with Rudy Giuliani himself. Wait, hold on, stop. You're not going to tell me that he's going to go on and claim that Trump reposted that video and it was no, Trump reposted. No, no, I wish. Video? No, I wish. <laughs> I wish. He almost did that. Like. Yeah, I know. I, I was like, oh, here we go. No, he didn't do that. Pushing it out. And so there was a lot of speculation about who might or might not be behind this. And so Kevin Polson was able to track down the kind of network of fake news sites that were pushing this. And then the person that first uploaded the video. And what we learned from the story is that there's a profit motive of here, uh, that you can put up a lot of these videos on Facebook, you can make a quick buck. Didn't this guy say he made $1,000? Yeah, I mean... This, by the way, is bullshit. Since when does Facebook have uh, a monetization scheme? I never heard of such a thing. You got $1,000 from Facebook? I don't think they do that. No, I think what, what the guy did is he has his own websites, and that's where they found him. He just has his name on those websites, and he's a little... Why uh, is Kevin Polson's wasting his time doing this? 
Who's that? Who cares who this guy is? It's just something floating out there. Hey, man. You know who it is, you know. Hey, man. You can't do that to so the queen. Why are so upset about this to the point where they got to track the guy down like a dog? Well, a reminder. A reminder is that the president tweeted out a video showing Nancy Pelosi's incompetence in verbal communication. And it was very evident. And it's, it was kind of saddening and ageist, for sure. Although, I guess Trump can do it. Um. And to cover that up, this it's almost like the, um, like Benghazi. It was a video, a movie on the internet that they were all upset about. That's why they went in there and uh, and killed everybody. It was a, it was an anti-Muslim video. So it's the same thing. It's like oh, this is Pelosi. Uh, this is a hoax, hoax. So she's like she's drunk just to cover up this other video. They'll never bring that one back. Put up a lot of these videos on Facebook. You can make a quick buck. Didn't this guy say he made a thousand dollars? Yeah, I mean, but look, that's not. It might have been what? a lot of money to him, but I don't think it was a pure profit motive. I think mm. for him, it was a matter of ideology. It was, you know, he's a big Trump what? supporter. Hold on, stop. <laughs> it may have been a lot of money to him. Maybe. Is that what the guy said? And there was no money involved. What What are they talking about? They're just making this up. It's I mean, a just... very annoying part of that clip is that little section right there. And that Facebook may... paid him a thousand dollars. Well, it may have been a lot of money to him. But what are you going to say, Bill? Well, I don't know, Jim. What do you think? I think this comes from inherent disgust, anger, and jealousy from the news media who feel that these people are are in their uh, lane. Uh, because if you distribute something that is that they call news, even a hoax, of course, can be news, and you name, get bro. and you get paid for it, they hate that. They, I think anyone they make money these people, but I think any one of them would be like, shit, I'd like a thousand dollars for posting something. I think it's just just uh, envy. envy. It could be yeah. I, it just, but it's wrong. <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, you could say that about everything we do on this show, John. It might have been a lot of money to him, but I don't think it was a pure profit motive. I think mm. for him, it was a matter of ideology. It was, you know, he's a big Trump supporter. And, you know, one of the most interesting things about this story to me was that, you know, you don't need some sophisticated operation in order to publish fake news or publish a hoax that will grab uh, the country's attention. It doesn't what take I, a Russian bot form. It's just one person with video editing software tricking people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I thought that was people. the real key to the story. And the reason and the people so saying that you shouldn't have named him because he's a- actually I kind of take it Hold issue with second. that tricking people. Who was tricked by this? <laughs> this is the oh dis- my God, she's drunk. Nobody bought this. This is the disdain they have for their viewers, man. They must think their viewers are morons. Yeah, yeah, because they got tricked, man. They got <laughs> tricked into thinking Pelosi was drunk. When it was, what am I doing here? Take a Russian I mean, bot it's, on. It's just one person with video editing software tricking people. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was the real key to the story. And, and the reason and it was the so people important. saying that you shouldn't have named him because he's a private How citizen. How is that the key to host stop again? <laughs> How is that the key to the story? Let's hear it again. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was the real key to the story. And, and the re- Wait, let's go back. What was the key to the story? Publish a hoax that'll grab uh, the country's attention. It doesn't what take I- a Russian bot form. It's just one person with video editing software tricking people. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was the real key to the story. Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Yes. It's, it's, thank God we're here. Thank God Brian Stelter 
CNN and the Daily Beast are here because these days just one guy in his basement scratching his hairy balls can make a hoax that could unsettle the world. Does that sound about right? Do you think that's what they're thinking? Kind of, yeah. It's pretty close to it. <laughs> and the, reason and the so people important. saying that you shouldn't have named him because he's a private citizen, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter saying you all were irresponsible for outing him. Yeah, I, I don't think that's accurate. First of all, I think he outed himself, uh, you know, by attaching his name to several fake news sites that then pushed the video. Okay. And then he spoke to our reporter at length and on the record for an hour and a half. And then we also withheld some information that he didn't that he didn't want uh, out there that um, he felt would uh, uh Pensions privacy. So I, I, I uh, am glad that these people uh, want to protect uh, the privacy uh, of this man. Uh, but I think uh, our actions in this case were uh, were right on the money. And I need to call out Fox and friends, if not and Tucker and anyone else on Fox who talked about it as a bunch of bigoted racists. You all went into the. It was an African American man who was just posting videos. African American man, <laughs> you racist douchebags, douchebags. And th- yeah, it's it's that's oh my goodness, I gotta tell you. Well, I didn't follow any of these either. Of these two stories that you led with, you. This is the problem. I'm telling you right now. Unhook this MSNBC feed. Probably <laughs> this- playing right now, as far as we know. What are you talking about? This is great. This is what I bring to the show. This is my contribution. This is the the pain I go through all day, hooked in, literally jacked into the matrix of MSNBC. I'm jacked jacked into the MSNBCs, man. Um, Well, let's just stay on the racism tip for one second. Axios, uh, which is, I think it's... Isn't that an NBC-owned property? or uh, they a own a- joint venture with a bunch of people, but one of the lead investors is Ms. Jobs. Ah, yes, Ms. Jobs. L- Lauren, Lauren, what's her name? Lauren Powell. Lauren, I hate Trump Jobs. Right. So they have a part of their coverage airs on HBO in some kind of partnership, and they interviewed uh, Jared Kushner, who is just not a dynamic guy to talk to, Period. And then they hound him. No shit. And they hound him, which I thought was pretty funny. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she calls, she has called President Trump a racist. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen him say or do anything that you would describe as racist or bigoted? So uh, the answer is uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, You can't not be a racist for 69 years, then run for president and be a racist. And what I'll say is that when a lot of the Democrats call the president a racist, I think they're doing uh, a a disservice to people who suffer because of real racism in this country. Was birtherism racist? Um, Look, I wasn't really involved in that. (laughs) I know you were. What? Was it racist? (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I I wasn't involved. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know you weren't. I don't know what it, I missed what he's referring to. Oh, oh so first he, he said, you know, he says, is he racist? And then they said, how about birtherism? Is birtherism racist? Which I would answer in a very, I would answer the question, but Kushner can't even answer it. Racism no, in this country. Kushner should answer it. No, it's not. But that's not what he's I saying. Felt the same way about Ted Cruz. Service to people who suffer because of real racism in this country. Was birtherism racist? Um, look, I wasn't really involved in that. I know you weren't. Mm-hmm. Was it racist? Uh, like I said, I, I wasn't involved in that. I know you weren't. Mm-hmm. Was it racist? Um, look, I know who the president is, and I have not seen anything in him that is racist. 
So again, I was not involved in that. Did you wish he didn't do that? Uh, like I said, I was not involved in that. That was a long time ago. All right, Kushner needs some media training because that was a fail. That was, an, that a, was a solid, horrible, fail. solid. He had a F. million ways to get out of that. Solid F. But I bring this up because I had my hair cut the other day. And well, hold on a second before you bring it the haircut. I, I want to hear about your haircut because everybody does. I know because your hair. What else? Uh, what alternative answers could have Kirshner possibly given to dissuade this idiot from going on and asking the question three times? Okay, let's give some advice. Um, here's one. Ask Hillary. Perf- that I, I had about three or four different ways of going with this that were all uh, ways of pushing, you know, like combating, like sword fighting. Mm-hmm. But that is the only that is the that answer. is the answer because it was the Clinton campaign that started this in 2008. Yeah. With Obama. And, and th- then you should then write then after you say that, then you you ask the reporter. So is she a racist? Yes, exactly. Did you add, and have you ever asked her if she's a racist? And do you think she is? Yeah, but if and, it, and turn it back on the guy. No, Kushner's a weenie. This guy's bad. Oh, 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 oh. His face would melt off if he said that. He can't do that. There's no way. Um. So this came up while I was having my hair cut with my lovely hairdresser. Um. <laughs> and she, uh, she does not like the president. And uh, and we're very clear on where we stand, and we but we like and respect each other. And so birther and birtherism came up. Birtherism, and usually we don't talk about this stuff. I can't remember why it happened, but and I said, well, birtherism, yeah, you know, there was definite question, and Trump was a total douche and was out there yelling and running around, and but he wasn't a politician; he can do whatever he wants. And I'm seeing politicians doing this crazy shit now. She said, yeah, but it was racist. I said, you show me how birtherism was racist just because the guy was black it was racist is that it well i saw the ken's burns documentary about the central park jogger and the central park five and clearly trump is a huge racist and i had to refresh my memory because i was living in manhattan at the time 1987 and this is uh he took out a, in fact she incorrectly identified an op-ed but he took out an ad that said, bring back the death penalty, what's happening to our city, where are the cops? That's basically what it was. And just to, because, you know, people say this was incredibly racist, he targeted these kids. I was there when this happened. 1987, Times Square was sex and drugs, no rock and roll. It was seedy, it was nasty. I lived in Hell's Kitchen, it was a dirty-ass place. We had squeegee guys at the tunnel. It was just, the whole thing was a mess. And then there was like 50 kids young people running throughout Central Park, beating people up, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then one jogger, really, female jogger, really got molested and was severely hurt. And they arrested five guys. And then it, you know, then it goes into, the, they, they uh, confessed and they were, and two juries indicted them. But then sometime later, some other guy comes out and says, it was me and his DNA matched. And somehow Trump and all this was racist, where the whole city was literally saying, Kill fuckers, whoever it is, kill them. Where's the cops? This is crazy. The city's going down the tubes. But this has now been turned into a Ken Burns documentary to prove Trump is a racist. But where's all the stories? And I agree with Kushner on that. Where's all the stories from before that? I was in New York. He was the hero. Granted, laughingly, hip hoppers had him in all his videos, the lyrics. Everyone, Trump is a Trump. Come on, we love him. 
Never heard anything about racism. Well, he's a misogynist. You got to give me that. It's <sighs> just no winning. Anyway, I stopped. Good, because my hair looks pretty good now. So I didn't want to. You know, it's, when someone has sharp object near your head, you've you got to be careful uh, yeah, with what you you're talking about. Be, Cut off your ear. Be very, very careful. My ear. <laughs> she almost snipped my hearing aid wire the other day. No, well, that would have been costly. No, no, no. No, this just, those are easy to replace. Uh. Anyway. All right. Well, I think we've solved the world's problems. Yeah, I think we're good to good to go. <laughs> Let's talk about Trump well, in the UK. Continue to promote the fact that everyone's full of crap. I, I, I got a full of crap clip. I, I was going through some old clips. Oh, I'm ready for Trump in the UK. You want to go back in time? Uh, I don't want to go back in time. I just want to. Oh, well, if you want to do Trump in the UK, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I can do run this. this later. It's very funny. I've got a couple of UK clips, but go on. You, you no, have no, no, no. You, you lead into it. I have stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm passing well, the guess, talking for, stick to we, you. We can start with Trump in the UK, and then he goes to Ireland. This is a very. This is a 122 week, week report from the from PBS, which is kind of a backgrounder. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for your Trump key. Trump in UK. Trump in UK. Oh, one. No, hold no. on. No, it says Trump in UK, then Ireland. Ah, I'm sorry, I got it. A D-Day commemoration with President Trump and other world leaders. Today in Portsmouth, England, they gathered to mark the legendary invasion and the beginning of the liberation of Europe. It was here that Allied forces boarded landing craft to storm the hold beaches on, of stop, Normandy and stop. fight. I want to start that clip over, and I want to, I want to ask you, this is Yamish Elsindor. Mm-hmm. The PBS woman who replaced yeah, the replacement, Gwen Gwen's Eiffel. replacement, yes. And I want to ask you: Do you think this sounds like a high schooler in front of her class? Just oh, very- it's so interesting. You were, I was about to say, it sounds like a college uh, TV oh. broadcast that the kids put together themselves. You know? <laughs> oh, you take it one step. Okay, well, you give her that much. Okay, well, then, <laughs> you, you're still funny. at high school. Okay, a day with President Trump and other world leaders. It's also the audio. The audio does not sound professional, and that always gives it kind of that, you know, that kind of jerky high school vibe. Today in Portsmouth, England, they gathered to mark the legendary invasion and the beginning of the liberation of Europe. It was here that Allied forces boarded landing craft to storm the beaches of Normandy and fight the Nazis. The president, along with members of the British royal family, spent time greeting D-Day veterans. Mr. Trump had this to say of Queen Elizabeth. Great woman. Great, great woman. He then flew briefly to Ireland to meet with Irish Prime Minister Leo Varadkar. The president said he was optimistic that the UK could work out one of its biggest Brexit challenges. The question is whether Varadkar's Republic of Ireland can work out a border deal with Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. Neither country wants to reinstate a hard border. The big thing is going to be your border, and hopefully that's going to work out. I think it will work out. Before he left London, Mr. Trump sat down with British journalist Piers Morgan. Morgan questioned the president about whether he wished he had served in the Vietnam War. The president received five deferments from the draft. One was for having bone spurs. The other four were for education. I thought it was a a terrible war. I thought it was very far away. Nobody ever, you know, you're talking about Vietnam, and at that time, nobody ever heard of the country. This isn't like I'm fighting against Nazi Germany. I'm fighting, we're fighting against Hitler. Would you like to have served generally, perhaps in another? Well, I would have been honored, but I think I make up for it right now. That's all they took from the Pierce Morgan interview? Yeah. That piece? Well, I think they may take another small chunk, but it wasn't very good. What, the interview? Uh, 
No, I mean, it wasn't very good, the report, and the oh, oh, yeah. not that good. And I want to point something out, that when PBS NewsHour began with McNeil and Lair, it started with two extremely polished professionals, major network broadcasters, yeah. who decided they had enough with a half-hour nightly news, and they wanted to do something for a whole hour. And right. so they they went to uh, PBS and they decided they said, look, here, we, we want to do something slick, professional, whole hour. We want to do something good. And since then, it's just been bringing people that are rank amateurs yeah. into the fold and with all their bigotry and prejudices. And I would now I'm now including Judy in that. And just running with it. Where's where's all the superstar slick professionals that that were that, that what was the original idea of the PBS News Hour? Now is Amateur Hour. Why don't they just call it the PBS Amateur Hour? And we should have the, the sand. Rent. We should have the Sandman <laughs> to get uh, 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 what's your name, Yamish. Off you go. I like the. Uh, the morning shows here, the way they categorize what was going on, the most important highlights. It's not that much different from the news hour, uh, although I would have. And I have a piece of the, the Pierce Morgan interview, which is not too bad. But here's Good Morning America, quick clip of just them promoting the trip. As we've seen, President Trump's visit is sparking protests also in the UK. Our senior foreign correspondent, Ian Panel, is in London with more on all that. Good morning, Ian. Yeah, good morning, Robin, from the famous Trafalgar Square. The statue, Nelson's Column, is right oh, behind God. me. But the reason we're here today is because of the people out here. Thousands, tens of thousands, possibly even hundreds of thousands are expected to gather here to expected. today. They're not against America. They are against the president and the official visit here to the UK. They're against the Man, the policies, the words, the deeds, and that is why oh, they've gone out here. We can see it in all the placards that are out here. Yes, all the placards. Put your mish back on. I want, <laughs> I want to talk about the placards. The placards. Yeah, so this was very disappointing, as we'll hear in the next clip. It wasn't the hundreds of thousands of people they wanted. In fact, I'll play the CBS This Morning clip, and then I'll tell you about the placards. London Mayor Sadiq Khan called Mr. Trump a poster boy for the far-right movement around the world. The president called Khan a stone-cold loser yesterday. Paula Reed is outside 10 Downing Street, where the president and May are meeting. Paula, we expected to hear more from the president's opponents. That's right, Tony. Even when visiting one of our closest allies, the president still manages to find adversaries, and those protests that you mentioned are happening just a short distance from here at 10 Downing Street. Tony, we can actually hear several thousand protesters demonstrating not far from here, but we're told it's a considerably smaller group than what was expected. Among those protesters is opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn. He boycotted last night's state banquet, but he's expected to address the demonstrations. Now, one of the groups is employing a large balloon, depicting President Trump as a giant orange baby in a diaper clutching an iPhone. The organizer says the balloon is meant to send a message to President Trump that he is not welcome here. A couple things. Uh, this balloon's not new. It's also not, not only is it not new, who says it's an iPhone? Look to yeah. me, look to well, me like an Android phone. I catch that, you're right. It looked to me more like a, like an Android phone. I don't think it was an iPhone. It could be an Android. Who's, who, why are they plugging uh, Apple? But that balloon's not new. And then, of course, nobody reported. I only saw this and The Sun had it. And they had the woman and they had a clip. It was a video of her. Uh, they showed the whole thing. Some woman, a Trump supporter, a British Trump supporter, came and took a pair of scissors and popped the balloon, the big giant one. Yeah. Excellent. 
<laughs> and so the balloon deflated and they all got bent out of shape about it. And they, they arrested the woman, the, the police arrested her and she made a big scene because she had her phone running a, a movie. So the movie was put on the son, the son's uh, uh, website. The complete thing. Nobody reported on the popping of the balloon on the major networks. And I thought it was the most interesting thing that took place. Well, the uh, the organization behind this, uh, I would say, failed protests because they could not show the numbers. Uh, they were talking big numbers, but it didn't show up was Stop the War Coalition. Uh, all the placards, that's uh, British for signs which were professionally created, uh, had a little uh, URL in the bottom corner, and it was uh, stopwar.org.uk. And who was the president? It was, I was very surprised. I, I didn't know that we had a new Bob Geldof standing up, but we do. The president of Stop the War Coalition is Brian Eno. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I mean... Yeah, Brian Eno, for those who don't know, Roxy Music, um, gosh, he produced uh, so much. Bowie produced uh, Talking Heads. Yeah, major producer. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, but I'd say Roxy Music is what I think he's, his, some of his best work was. But he's, I mean, he's, he's worked with everybody. And he's now the president. And, I, and I'm all for stopping war, but come on. And also... You know, this was a uh, a lead up to celebrating, commemorating with our British allies, and okay, we'll add the French um, for the seventy fifth anniversary of D Day. So, you know, there was there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. There was a lot of, lot more than just this guy. And uh, this will probably lead into some of your clips, uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. I got that. You got the full video? No, I don't have the full. Well, I have a couple of things, but I, I wanted to, I have two ISOs that I, I kind of, uh, I started noticing some trends and I do have a, a the, thesis that I'll bring up at the end of this. Okay. Why, 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 why don't, why don't I, I play I, the full clip and then you go into your whole thesis? Okay, play stuff. the full clip and then we'll deal with it later. Okay. So this video, and it was very odd, uh, is Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, uh, talking really about uh, our country. And what's going on here and uh, and blaming all of it on Trump, I guess. But he did it in collaboration with L.U.K., the magazine L. And he starts off with it's a big L logo. I don't understand how that works in the U.K. I thought I would have having lived there. But you just collaborate with magazines now to to, to slam people. I'm, I'm not sure why he did that. But here it is. President Trump. If you're watching this, your values and what you stand for are the complete opposite of London's values and the values in this country. We think diversity is not a weakness, diversity is a strength. We respect women and we think they're equal to men. We think it's important to safeguard the rights of all of us, particularly the vulnerable and the marginalised. When you are the president of the USA, you have a massive leadership role. You have a massive platform as well. People follow what you do. What we've seen over the last few years in the USA is a rolling back of much of the progress made in previous decades. It's really important we continue to move forwards. What we've seen in the USA is a rolling back of the reproductive rights of uh, women. We've got a situation now where some states in the USA are making it almost impossible for women to have the rights to have an abortion. 
One only has to look at the history books to realize the consequences of women not having the right to choose over their own body. What we can't afford to do is return to backstreet abortions. What we can't afford to see is a return to the situation in yesterday decades where you had women have no control over their bodies. It's really important we support women in the USA. The fight for gender equality shouldn't just be a fight for women and girls. All of us should be feminists, and that means men and boys too. There was Malali Yousafzai, the Nobel Prize winner, who said, how can all of us benefit when half of us are held back? That's why it's in all our interests to be feminists. If you believe that it's wrong, that there's gender inequality, if you believe it's wrong that women earn less than men, if you believe it's wrong that women are still discriminated against in 2019, then you're a feminist. Now, um, I don't know why they use this particular music track and why L.U.K. doesn't have anyone with ears attached to the side of the head to hear that you can barely hear the guy, the dynamics are off. And I have to say, though, if this politician thing doesn't work out, you got a career in broadcasting. You really punch it there, Sadiq. You really got some dynamic range, you wanker. There you are being now. I want to mention this. We, we call I know each other I was I was being very sarcastic. You're right. I agree. Uh, so all he talked about was what we're doing wrong, and uh, as the if guy's a dick. As if as if the as if the states uh, determining what they want to do and the legal parameters around that and yeah, there's all kinds of issues. But you know, look at your own shit, man. People are getting knifed. Uh. Well, that's kind of where Trump went with uh, in in the presser. Okay, which is a word I don't remember ever using before, but they're using it all the time now, meaning press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, the presser in the UK when he was up there with uh, Theresa May, and I want to play that part, which re- hooks right into this con thing. Okay, which Trump one is it? on con? I don't know Jeremy Corbyn. Never oh, met him. Sorry, what is that? Is that the one you're playing? Well, Trump presser UK on con. And I'll explain why you're confused, because the question actually was about Jeremy Corbyn, uh, but he took it no, to no, be I about Sadiq Khan. I know Khan. how the question went, but I thought that's not the way I thought I clipped it. But Maybe play, it's, but play well, this, hold on. this is important. Maybe it's play. Trump presser UK one. Would that be the one you want? Uh, well, pl- let, why don't we play that first? Because it all relate to this, my theme. I don't know Jeremy Corbyn. Is that, I don't know. Are they, are they both exactly the same? What is this? <laughs> That's very. I hope not. Yes. Yeah. I hate to say it, bro. But you have two clips labeled different. Oh, no. Here we go. A D-Day commemoration with. Pre- no, nope, that's not it. Here, Trump Presser UK on comms theme. Ah. Um, for you, President Trump, as you hold talks ah. with the current Prime Minister, the leader of Her Majesty's opposition has been addressing a protest rally against your visit in Trafalgar Square. He says he's disappointed you attacked the London Mayor and he criticised your record on refugees. What do you have to say to him? And is this man someone you could do a trade deal with? And to you, Prime Minister, do you think that Sadiq Khan is a stone-cold loser. You're talking about the mayor of London. Is that who you said? Yes. Well, I think he's been a uh, not very good mayor from what I understand. He's done a poor job. Crime is up, a lot of problems. And I don't think he should be criticizing uh, a representative of the United States that can do so much good for the United Kingdom. Uh, We talked about it before. He should be positive, not negative. He's a negative force, not a positive force. And if you look at what he said, he hurts the people of this great country. 
And I think he should actually focus on his job. He'd be a lot better if he did that. He could straighten out some of the problems that he has and probably some of the problems that he's caused. And I hope. I thought that was very good. But I thought- there's something in there that I, <laughs> I caught because I heard it again. Okay. <clears throat> when he talks about Corbin. All right. Now play. Now play Presser UK1. I don't know Jeremy Corbin. Never met him. Never spoke to him. He wanted to meet today or tomorrow, and I, I decided that I would not do that. Uh, I think that he is, from where I come from, somewhat of a negative force. I think that uh, people should look to do things correctly as opposed to criticize. I really don't like critics as much as I like and respect people that get things done. So I've decided not to meet. As far as the protests, I have to tell you, because I commented on it yesterday, uh, we left the prime minister, the queen, the royal family. There were thousands of people on the streets cheering. And even coming over today, there were thousands of people cheering. And then I heard that there were protests. I said, where are the protests? I don't see any protests. I did see a small protest today when I came, very small. So a lot of it is fake news, I hate to say. But you saw the the people waving the American flag, waving your flag. It was tremendous spirit and love. There was great love. It was an alliance. And I didn't see the protesters until just a little while ago. And it was a very, very small group of people. Now, a couple of things. One, I only picked up on this theme after I put, developed both these clips. Uh, but there was an element in here that I thought was worth noting, which is, did anyone ever show us any of the network shows, any of these guys waving the American and British flags? No. Trump came in. I, all I saw was the protest stuff. I saw some YouTube clips, but even then I wasn't quite sure when it when it was shot. You just don't know anymore. Yeah. Uh, but so no, I thought that was no. like misleading on the part of the media. And they never, again, they didn't show the Trump blimp getting deflated, which I still think was the biggest. That would have been well. great so television. what I spotted. What I spotted with these two clips is I believe this is deliberate, and I think it's going to be a theme in future Trump discussions because it brings in kind of new age, touchy-feely crap, <laughs> which is he's a negative force. He yeah. said it about Sadiq Khan, yes. and he, then he said it about Corbyn. Actually, in the other way, I think the other way around. But he said it about both of them. And it's like, oh, he's a negative force. It's a negative force. You're going to start hearing this a lot hmm. from Trump because I, I think you can go someplace with this. Oh. The guy's negative. And he goes on and makes his, he says, I hate critics, even though he's a critic. I like people to get things done. And he's a negative force, a negative force. I I, I think. I think you're right. I think it's the beginning of, of something. You know now, what? Just one little interdiction. Yeah. I don't have any clips, but it appears to me, and maybe some of our British producers can let us know, that the British press somehow had riled everybody up into fearing that, into being afraid of, into fearing that Trump in conversation with May or Bojo or whoever else, Gold, uh, would say, you know what? Yeah, we're going to do a trade deal, but we're going to screw your national health system. So everyone, all I, I was reading a lot of, oh, yes, N- yes. NHS on the table, NHS on the table. Like, what are you talking about? Did well, you I see know what any you're of talking this? About, yeah, explain. Because I heard him say it. 
Yeah, but what what is what, what were they afraid of? What had they been riled up about? They're that- they're full of crap because what it was was a misunderstanding on Trump's part, which is not unusual. I think we got to get used to this. Mm. And they said, "What do you think?" Uh, you know, some guy asked him some boneheaded question that had nothing to do with anything. What about the trade talks? What's on the table? What are you going to do? What is everything oh, okay. on the table? Is NHS on the table like that? Just kind of <laughs> slipped it in. It's the- and Trump said, "Yeah, everything's on the table." You know what's crazy? The NHS was used. To get people to vote for Brexit. The exact opposite. Yeah. Was it, oh, well, people are going to, you know, they're going to overflow the, the NHS. Trump, now, and, and then they took this story and they ran with it, even though Trump later said, I don't really want to deal with the NHS. I got nothing to do with it. It's your medical system. How's that? What is, he says, what has that got to do with trade? And, which is right. What does yeah. it got to do with trade? Nothing. And so, uh, but meanwhile, the British press, oh, he's going to steal our NHS. He's going to take our, he's going <laughs> to He's going to eat our problem. babies. How? <laughs> How? By what kind of analysis is this? These, these press guys are, yeah, they're yeah, very, they're disappointing. Bad. disappointing. Now I have a couple of clips, one with an ISO that I think is a winner. All right. Here's the, here's the classic though. So now I don't know if this is a British reporter or an American, but this is the reporter screeching at Trump nine second clip that I just think is a gem. <laughs> Mr. President, Sadiq Khan says that you're a threat to democracy. Didn't find it? No, it was, uh, it was played only one channel. For some reason you didn't hear it back. It was the camera clicking. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I don't know why, but for some reason, only one channel came through and you didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. No, I, sw- I know you didn't hear it. You won't hear it either because it's one channel. I don't know why. Oh, I see. OK, yeah, sorry. Well, anyway, so there's a bunch of clicking that somebody yells about, you know, does one of those any collusion. Yeah, it was totally an any collusion thing. Any collusion. Yeah, I fixed it for you. And then there's this one, which is the Sadiq, uh, Sadiq Khan loser ISO. Sadiq Khan is a stone cold loser. <laughs> <laughs> that was a question, right? If, if, yeah, uh, it was the question. Yeah, if you thought that. that that's a uh, good ISO. The other one's the one I like better, but I'm sorry, it came in mono or something or one channel. Which now, no it's sense. also something wrong with my setup somehow because it didn't go to the stream either. So I've got some channel problem I'll, to be fixed. Oh, okay. Don't worry about it. Um, and else regarding uh, the UK, I don't think I have well, any I, other. I, I have one other observation. I find it very sad. That because of the state of hate, hmm, I like that one, the state of hate, there's just no real reporting. And, you know, I come from, I come from the industry. I come from entertainment. I like seeing Melania's outfits. I also like women's clothing, not to wear, but I like, it, I like it on women. I like seeing what Somebody they're dressed in. Somebody clip that, please. I like seeing what they're dressed in. And Get she, a time code and for she me. Had all this be- <laughs> she had all these beautiful outfits on. She had you know, little, uh, little throwbacks to Lady Di, and she just looked so stunning. And, I mean, she left to get on the helicopter in D.C. She's got a Big Ben dress on. I mean... It's just sad for her. I really, I have to say, I feel bad for her. This, she should be Vogue, uh, L. Now we know L's not going to do anything. They'd rather have no, that L, douche please. Sadiq Khan <laughs> on their website. But man, it's, it's, it's many, many years from now, we will talk about how incredibly stylish she was. 
And I really well, appreciated somebody. the detail that went into her clothing. And it's a big deal. Uh, in Typically, it's a big deal. Now, it's just... Uh, well, now, we're Trump. Eh, eh. Now, now, I have one of the really fine examples of, like, the media not are being stupid. I'm not sure. But this is this was a summary of a couple of Trump things and the mistakes and errors he made. Because there, everybody wants to, you know, Trump's a big liar. So everything he says is a big lie. And this is Yamish again with the ridiculous, apparently ridiculous Trump lies, the important Trump lies that he made. And, she, and Judy, of course, a major Trump hater, tries to draw it out of her to what kind of horrible lies. And so we're going to hear the ridiculous Trump lies. And I want you to tell me how ridiculous these are and if they're even lies. President Trump plans to spend tonight in Ireland at one of his golf resorts, Judy. Yamish, hi. So that interview he did, the president did with the British journalist Piers Morgan, were there other claims the president made uh, that are being questioned? Well, the president said a number of things that were simply not based in fact. He would not say that climate change is a clear and present danger. That, of course, is the conclusion of scientists all over the country and the world, as well as scientists working for the Trump administration. He also said that he talked to Prince Charles about this for some time, about 90 minutes, and that Prince Charles stressed to him that he was concerned about future generations and climate change, but the president just simply was not convinced. He also said that Winston Churchill, the former British prime minister, didn't have to deal with the threat of nuclear weapons. That's simply not true. There were Nazis thinking of trying to build a nuclear weapon during the time of Winston Churchill. So that just simply, again, was something else that was just not based in fact. Well, I'm glad you uh, you clipped this because from the Pierce Morgan interview, which I thought was very entertaining, it was about half an hour long. The president was very calm, cool, collected, funny, entertaining. He and Pierce have a good rapport. And yeah. Uh, and I, I clipped the piece about uh, Prince Charles and climate change. If, uh, if it's okay, I'll bring it in here. Because what did she say? She the- said that the prince tried to convince him that climate change is going to hurt yeah. future Let's generations and Trump wasn't the world. buying it. Yeah, let me see it. Here. I got it here. As well as scientists working for the Trump administration. He also said that he talked to Prince Charles about this for some time, about 90 minutes, and that Prince Charles stressed to him that he was concerned about future generations and climate change, but the president just simply was not convinced. Oh, okay. Let's listen to what he actually said. What people want to hear from you about climate change right. is that you basically understand that almost every scientist that looks into this believes climate change is a very real and present danger. And if we don't tackle it now, and America has to lead the way along with China and India, yeah. China. we're going to be in serious trouble. Do you accept that? Well, you know, you just said it. China, India, Russia, many other nations, they have not very good air, not very good water in the sense of pollution and cleanliness. If you go to certain cities, I'm not going to name cities, but I can, mm. If you go to certain cities, you can't even breathe. And now that air is going up. So if we have a clean, in terms of a planet, we're talking about a very small, you know, very small distance between China and the U.S. or other countries. Sure, I, I think there's mutual responsibility. No, but there the is. Question, but do, but do you, they don't do the responsibility. But do you personally believe in climate change? I believe that there's a change in weather. And I think it changes both ways. Don't forget, it used to be called global warming. That wasn't working. Then it was called climate change. Now it's actually called extreme weather. Mm. Because with extreme weather, you can't miss. Look, we have a thing now in tornadoes. I don't remember tornadoes in the U.S. to the extent. But then when you look back, 40 years ago, we had the worst tornado binge that we've ever had. 
In the 1890s, we had our worst hurricanes, and I would say we've had some very bad hurricanes. Were you able to give Prince Charles any comfort that you as the United States president are taking this seriously? I think I was, yeah. I, I think we had a great conversation, and it was about, as you would call it, climate change. But, uh, yeah, I think we had a very, very good Has time. he moved you a little bit? I'll tell you what moved me is his passion for future generations. Mm. He's really not doing this for him. Mm. He's doing this for future generations. He really feels, and this is, this is real. He believes that. He wants to have a world that's good for future generations. You, you want, you want and, that, and I do too. And, and that really, his and that, mm. you know, he's Prince Charles. He doesn't have to worry about future generations in theory unless he's a very good person who cares about people. And that's what impressed me maybe the most, his love for this world. Didn't quite sound the same way Yashinda al put it together. Well, the other thing is, and then she goes on and, and drops the real gem of all gems, <laughs> which is that uh, Trump casually says, well, Winston Churchill didn't have to worry about nuclear weapons. And she says, oh, yes, he did. <laughs> Because it was a known fact that Germans were working on it. Nobody knew what an what an what an a bomb was going to do. They, it wasn't something that Churchill was fretting about. Or she, who's she kidding? Where's the evidence of that? Hey, by the way, uh, Trump should have said instead of uh, extreme weather, he should have said climate crisis. Yeah, I, I, he and, did. And you know what? I have another. I have another piece of advice for the president. Try it again on me. I'll, I'll be the president and you tell me. Now, do you believe in climate change? You, you do one of those. Do you believe in climate change? Well, l- let me tell you, John. I am a climate optimist. This is what he needs to start doing. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. I heard it from, uh, I think Void Zero said it or tweeted or something. I'm like, I'm stealing that. <laughs> climate optimist. That's what he should say. I'm a climate optimist. I think it's all going to be fine. That would work. Yeah, and it would work especially in in with the negative thing. Right. Well, these people are just negative forces. They think going oh, right. Think bad. Yes, it fits right. I'm up. a climate optimist. They're a, fits they're right a with his new negativist. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, let me well, see. Anyway, if... I would, to be honest, with you, I'm still more irked about this Winston Churchill fretting about the a bomb yeah. when no one even knew what an a bomb would do. Uh. It's just a that's that is a blatant lie. Yeah. Hello. We miss you, Gwen. Wherever you are, we do miss. We Gwen. miss you. We miss you. Um, did I have anything else about Trump? Do you have anything else on Trump in the UK? Except I what, do have Trump. We had would the, talk with Iran. It was a PBS little mention. I thought it was well. At least we might as well play it. Okay. No American president has met with the leader of the Islamic. Is this Trump in UK? Does Trump would talk with just, Iran? But it's just gen- oh, well, but, but, well, before we move away from the UK, you have no more UK. Oh, well, this was a, well, I think it was one of his press conferences. Oh, okay. Well, all right, we'll do that. No American president has met with the leader of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Are you prepared if it comes to it to jaw jaw the President Rouhani of Iran? You're talking about talk. Yes. Yeah, of course. I'd much rather talk. You would sit down with him and have a, sure. have a chat. Sure. The Iranians have refused to talk for now. The United States is the only nation to leave the Iran nuclear deal. Iran recently threatened to resume high-level uranium enrichment if the U.S. does not lift sanctions and impose when it left the deal. They're so smart. They know everything, don't they? They're so smart over there. Um, uh, the, the, I guess the big thing is the, the big D-Day celebration. 
And I think that's why Trump was on good behavior. He was not going to... Me- also, he is from royal bloodlines. And let's not, let's not kid each other about this. If there's factions in the world, you've got the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. And Trump is from the old school. Half of him is from Scotland. He, he's British. He's British German. Yeah. And he's got the bloodline. So, of course, the queen recognizes her own blood. And, uh, and you may think I'm crazy for saying that, but th- this is the true backing of Trump is these people. Not the not the bankers, but the the old 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 world old. This is a theory that's been money. going around. You're not the only one. You know the Rockefellers, uh, the uh, versus Rothschild, the, the Rothschilds, right? Would be behind Trump. No, no, the, yeah. no, no. Yeah, no, no. The Rothschilds are the are the banking order. He's not with the banking order. No, not with the banking order, but he's with the Rothschild. The bloodline is more of the. No, and, it's not, I, I and there's two banking orders. There's the Rothschild, the old order, and the new order. And this is the new order that's not with him. Okay, well, the, this could be debated. Yeah, it, and not for us to debate. But yes, but he is from the royal family, the royal uh, hierarchy. He's in lizard there family. He's a he's lizard. He's a lizard. There you go. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you got to work on your body, Liz. Lizard. Lizard. Uh, do you have the nasty comment? Oh, well, they, well, you play the nasty comment with proof. Well, Anthony, veterans and their families tell me they don't know quite what to expect today, but they hope that the focus today will shift from President Trump to the shared sacrifices made 75 years ago when thousands of troops sailed from this harbor to the beaches of Normandy. The past two days of President Trump's UK state visit have been filled with royal pageantry, protests, and politics. But on the eve of the 75th anniversary of D-Day, President Trump continued to try to clear up any insults he may have made about his royal hosts during a British television interview. Do you think Meghan Markle's nasty or not? No, you know, the question was asked to me, and I didn't know that she said anything bad about me. It sounds like she did, and that's okay. I mean, hey, join the crowd, right? The president was referring to his description of the Duchess of Sussex after he was told Markle had called him misogynistic during an interview with The Sun. She said she'd move to Canada if you got elected. There are a lot of people moving here. So what can I say? No, I didn't know that she was nasty. I wasn't referring to her. She's nasty. I said she was nasty about me. And essentially, I didn't know she was nasty about me. Yeah, that was a, a, a Twitter storm for about two hours. Yeah, it was dumb. But yeah. but the point, there's two things that were interesting. One is that Trump was fairly quick-witted about a lot of people who want to move here. Yeah. Bringing, re-bringing attention <laughs> to the southern border. Yeah. And I thought yes. that, and he did it without missing. There's no beat there. It was just bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was and on. So I thought that was interesting. The other thing was that this, this lying, this was a lie. Yeah. But I don't think, I think half of his stuff, he's just yacking away and he's not paying attention to himself. And he said, yeah, well, nasty. No, but he didn't know they had it on tape. And no, so they rolled he, the tape out. No, his problem is he's not finishing his sentences. What he said was, I didn't know she was nasty about me. I didn't know she said something nasty about me. So he 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 doesn't think the, the he, he's not thinking when he talks. Well, that's what Pelosi does. That's what Ren, Ron Paul did. And I mean, a lot of people do that. But I still think he was just just yakking randomly. And it wasn't that big of a deal. And then the whole thing was, who cares about any of this? <laughs> Thank you. Sideshow. And I do have some nutty Pelosi stuff for us. But first... 
I'd like to thank you for your courage and say in the morning to you, the man who put the sea in climate optimist, John C. DeVoray. In the morning to you, Mr. Adam Curry. Also in the morning to all boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, dames and knights out there, and all the dames and knights out there. In the morning to the troll room, it is noagendastream.com, 24-7, all the best shows. <laughs> All kinds of great programming. You can uh, always uh, check it out. It's always running. Uh, we have the No Agenda show uh, live, of course, but uh, tons of shows are on there live and in uh, replay mode. Noagendastream.com. You can also pop into the chat room and troll away with everybody, which uh, is uh, is a fun thing to do. Also, in the morning, to uh, Comic Strip Blogger. Comic Strip no, Blogger. I thought it was CSB. Oh, you're right. It's CSB. We have no idea who yeah, that it's is. it's not Comic Strip Blogger. It's CSB. <laughs> well, CSB did the artwork for episode 1143. The title of that was Nance in the Hood. And this was a very interesting conceptual piece of art. It was um, a Russian uh, doll, one of those, uh, what do you call them? The doll a inside. nesting doll, babushka doll. Yeah, babushka nesting doll. And it's uh, partially open. And in there, nesting inside the babushka doll is... Our man, Robert Mueller. Yeah, right in the middle, at the <laughs> bottom. A lot of those dolls, I, when I was in Russia once, I bought a bunch of them. Yeah. And including the big commercial ones that are just really sold at kids' toy stores, big giant things. And they're cheap. The more elaborate ones are the better ones, and they cost a lot of money. But there's always a gag in there. Like you go through the doll, the, the expensive ones, which is usually tends to be a gag. They're all hand painted, beautiful, and you open, open, open. And then the very, the very inside of like a series of, let's say, premieres of Russia hmm. is a little linen or, or a little bit right, of Karl Marx. Or a Hot Wheels. A little bitty something. But anyway, whatever <laughs> it is, it's just, they're very funny and uh, kids like them. And they're, in fact, I, the kids. I bought those when the, when the, my kids were kids, and they loved playing with them. It's Matroska doll. Matroska, Matroska. yeah, which, means, which is nesting grandma doll. Now, babushka is grandma. No, well, Matroska means matronly. It has its roots pretty much the same. You same never thing. cease to Bush. amaze me. You understand black culture from uh, <laughs> from how from names. You understand Russian. You just you continuously amaze me. I'm so so yeah, privileged uh -huh. to work with you. But they're nesting dolls, and they're pretty cool. No agenda. Yeah, Argen I would definitely uh, buy if you have kids. They're terrific toys for some reason kids like putting yeah, them they apart and yeah. laying them around and putting them back together i'm taking them apart it's <laughs> something do. to do with the russian mentality and this part i don't know <laughs> they, i think they, i remember my, my parents had a uh, matroshka doll and i remember doing the same thing as a kid oh, take them out put them in take them out put them in and my mom be careful with that <laughs> all right but it's nice well, to know you buy russian toys for your kids that Kind of makes sense. Hey, you know, they get maybe they become rocket scientists. I don't know. This is our value for a coder. Actually, learning how to code, I think it's better giving a kid one of these uh, <laughs> nesting dolls because you end up with a kid that could get understands nested. Loops. Oh yes, hierarchy for yeah. If then, sure, loops. That's a stretch, but I like it. This is our value for value model. Uh, we decided early on it would not be a good idea to tr entrust our our work to uh, third-party companies it stays within our production family including how we distribute everything and uh it's value for value so you 
determine how much value you got from the show by translating that into monetary units or other forms such as artwork or um, jingles or end of show clips, stories, information. And we'd like to thank our executive producers and associate executive producers up front. And here you have a couple of them for today. Okay. We do have um, uh, two executives and a slew, uh, three, I guess, uh, associates. The executive at the top is uh, Sir Hoopensocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hoopensocker. Hoopensocker, yes. And he says, ITM gents. I was looking toward making a larger donation to the show when my accountant informed me I was getting $4,000 back from the Fed once she finalized my taxes. The forms arrived uh, and on review informed me I owe $2,000. Oh, oh, no. Accountants do this. I hate that. After some triple checking, we found an error. I ended up with a whopping $350 back. So here you go. <laughs> Get busy spending this while I got get busy finding a new accountant. Sir. Yes. Well, thank you, sir, Hoopensocker. And actually, he reminded me of something. Um, and we've done this on the show before. And, I, and Tina and I were chatting about something. And I said, you know, there's all kinds of money laying around that you that the government holds on, that states hold on to you for, and then you can get that back. She's like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did this on the show once. Yeah. And so you go to USA.gov. I forget the exact you know, slash whatever it is. It's uh, uh, found found money online. And you it'll you know, take you to states, and then you enter your, of course, your information, social security number. And we had done this on the show several years ago, and I remember getting money then, and there were three states that had money for me, like 250 bucks. Yeah. It's fantastic. You got to fill out yeah, forms and stuff. Yeah, I money but. of the state. Well, the reason for this we should explain is the a lot of like, for example, if you opened a bank account or a trading account with some some uh, firm and you do you you go inactive, you just stop using it. And it's the money's still sitting there, four hundred bucks. These guys, and unlike in the olden days where they just keep it, they they required after like two or three years of st- a stagnant account where there's no activity to send it to the state. It can also so be you have it, old banking accounts that get closed, or some old stock. That it can got, al- no, it can also be uh, old insurance uh, account that you may have. It can be uh, yeah. a utilities bill that uh, you a overpaid. There's tons of stuff. Two hundred and fifty dollars. We were like, we we're bouncing around, like break out the vuv. Woohoo! Yes, I have, and it's not necessarily in just your state. For example, I had some money owed me by because I had this, this. No, I checked New Jersey, New York, uh, California, and Texas, and I had money in each one of them. Yeah, that I hadn't. That we didn't get the money. last time we did this. Well, you go do it again. You haven't done it for a while. That's what I just said. Well, I just, then go do it again. You haven't done it for a while. <laughs> we just did it. Oh. I, I, did you not hear me say we found two hundred and fifty dollars? Yeah, but I thought that was from the years no, ago when no, we first discussed this. No, this is from yesterday. When yesterday? I, yes. Oh, my God. You should donate it to the show. Okay. And this is a good idea for everybody. Go find your found money. It's out there. You'd be surprised. Tina found money, too. What did she find? Uh, I think it was $65 from Illinois. That's a lot. Yeah. And we'll take it. You got to fill out forms and stuff, but they kind of pre-print them for you and you print them. You still got to mail it in, but it works. And so USA.gov, you can find it there. Anyway, onward. 
You also your your your, local, your states maybe yeah okay. There's way you just look around. Well, they have the uh, jumping off links to all the states. That's how they do it. Yeah. Jacob Schultz uh, in Toronto, Ontario, three hundred thirty-three dollars. Point zero zero. Send a note in on uh, email. Good. Thanks for all the great work you and Adam are doing. If I could read the following note, if you could read the following note on the show, that would be greatly appreciated. Make sure I'm anonymous. No, doesn't say that. <laughs> but that's the kind of note. We I'm, get. Al- I'm already setting ed- edit points. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot more guys than a few. We'll start a big, or my favorite one is they do a long note. <laughs> and by the way, keep me anonymous. <laughs> yeah, at the very end. <laughs> Adam, my cousin and I are traveling from Toronto to Austin for the 4th of July festivities. Oh. Okay. Any re- recommendations on places to check out? We like guns and meat. <laughs> Please give some jobs karma. <laughs> To our two Bitcoin mining technicians that we recently laid off. Also, please call out my friend Ruse Bay as a massive douchebag. Douchebag. He hit me in the mouth but never donates. Love you both. All right. Well, so for the Bitcoin guys, but some advice from Mr. Curry. Well, I will find the exact, since you like guns and meat, uh, and I don't know if they'll be open on July 4th. Unlikely, but depending on how many days you were here, uh, there is, uh, in fact, John, uh, you saw it. There's an Oryx farm not far from here in the Fredericksburg area uh, where I believe you can go and you can shoot your own Oryx. You can go shoot one. You can go shoot one. And then uh, you, you know, they'll even uh, do all the dressing for you so you can uh, take home your, your meat. So guns and meat and some killing involved. Welcome to Texas. Yeah, and I will say this. Yes, we're driving around. Oh, I, we're I'm driving around um, Austin area, the Austin area, and I'm uh, going. Uh, I think I'm heading. Uh, I'm heading east. So I'm going out to the wine country in the hill country. It's called the hill country. Hill country. A bunch of wine. It's very strange. There's a bunch of wineries. A lot yeah. of screwy wineries. There's not a few. We're talking about no, no. A there's lot of there's this maybe ten that I know of. I think there's. If there's not 40, I'd be shocked. Did you go to Grape Creek? Did you see those guys? I didn't get that far out. Because oh. after a while, you stop at these places, choose up time. I got to get back to your, I had to get back to your little party. And, you're, and you were hammered, you of course. <laughs> and so that, but there's not only wineries, but there's a slew of distilleries. And they're, you know, vodka companies out in, out in that area. And then while I'm driving out there, I'm coming back and I notice there's, I, what the hell? Because there's a lot, I guess it's breeding season or something, because there's a lot of lambs. You could drive along, there'd be a, a whole pasture full of little lambs. They're very cute, little bitty guys. And there's a l- bunch of little mm, bitty oryxes. Tasty. And, but, you know, they got the horns straight up in the air and they're kind of brown. They look like a little, little, little deer, they look like fawns. Yeah, with, really, with really, really long horns. And I'm, yeah, they're, and guess when they're adults, the things are like a mile high, these horns, and they're straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving by, holy crap. I said, that's the Oryxes I've heard so much about. Yeah. And I drove a little further. On the other side, there was another Oryx farm. Yeah. So I'm glad this was very, I think this was a great thing that the Texans are doing because this animal is extinct. I was going to say, there's, so there's more the Oryx. the best thing to do with extinct animals, breed them and kill them and eat them. This is great. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. This is uh, this. Yeah, there, there's more oryx in Texas than there are in Africa, as far as I know. There's none in Africa. There you go. So we beat them. Go Texas. 
but yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> but eating them is 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 quite a pleasure. They are truly that is a clean, beautiful meat. Emma Bloomer, two hundred four dollars and forty four cents, becomes our associate executive producer for show eleven forty four. Donating two hundred four dot forty four in my smoking hot in my smoking hot husband Andrew Bloomer's name. Ooh. Please deduce us and call out. Well, first the deduce. You've been deduced. And call out Eric Hammond and James Adamson. As delinquents, James especially since he listens to Ben Shapiro. Oh, no. <laughs> and who was the other guy? Uh, that was Eric's douchebaggery, and this is James Adamson. Douchebag. Listening to Ben Shapiro. I organized Shapiro. the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania meetup that just Ooh, yes. happened. We had about a dozen people coming. Did you, all had a wait, great time. Did you, did you see the pictures? Include my last-minute Google image-sourced Adam and John ha- heads on a stick. And the mac and cheese Sir Ryan ordered. It was fun to already have inside jokes with the people there and not worry about triggering anyone. Now, stop right there. So, first of all, um, attached to this email were the pictures. I don't know if you saw them, John. Good group of people. And, And this line really hit me when I was reading the email. It was so fun to already have inside jokes with people there and not have to worry about triggering anyone. Can you imagine how freeing that is? To walk into a, a, a place where there's people uh, who you don't know, but you know that you have some connection to them. You got some ITM, some ring flashing. You got some, you know, you have your inside jokes. You have your, you know, even the heads on a stick. And you know they're not going to get triggered by you. This is a great yeah. evening out. And I really appreciate uh, Emma for putting it together. For I think she organized it, did she not? Yes. Yes, yeah, which the yeah, Pittsburgh she says PA so. meetup. The, uh, the, no, the notion that. A lot of people, when they go to any, especially when they're the big meetups, when you really have a large crowd and you end up with the fact that nobody is triggered you don't have, <laughs> yeah, or yeah. they don't get into an argument about how Hillary got jobbed because she won the popular vote. None of that ever happens. And it's extremely pleasant and relaxing. Exactly. Yeah. Truly, hard truly. to explain, but when you when you experience it just as, with strangers, yes, it's quite the thing. I mean, oh. it's like normal. You feel like, wow, this is pretty normal. You fit I don't right feel in. Like you fit right in, exactly. Anyway, she said she'd love some karma for our fourth human resource who will be arriving in Christmas time. Hence, the fours in the donation amount. Okay, we uh, also love the climate gate. Jingle, since we're proudly killing the planet one kid at a time, <laughs> and the respect jingle because it's the best. We've put off donating for too long. The show is incredibly valuable to us, so hopefully you'll be hearing from us more. Well, we certainly hope so, Emma, and thank you again for organizing that meetup. Uh, sounds like you all had a great time. To the gate, to the gate, to the climate gate. <laughs> Getting lunch at Chipotle. The tortoise in the race. Kim Kardashian, Siganoi Weaver, Russia. R E S P I C T. They're all jitty. R E S P I C T. There's no real conflict. Resist. We must. Resist. We must. We must. 
and we will much about that be committed. You've got karma. Before you continue, John, I believe I forgot to give Jacob Schultes his jobs karma, and I want to make sure I did it just in case I did. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You've got karma. Uh, I believe it's Sir Richard Bangs. I could be wrong, but Richard Bangs. Yes, Dick Bangs. $200. Sir, Sir Dick Bangs, I think. Dick Bangs. I believe so. Uh, saw the puppy donating in honor of our beagle buck. Rest in peace. I would love to get a shout out to No Agenda's number one non-donating listeners, Barrett Bangs, age three, Archer <laughs> Bangs, Bangs, age two, and the newest human resource, Colton Bangs. <laughs> Barrett, what Archer, a great Colton, trio B-A-C-C-A-B, you've got there. B-A-B. Barrett, Archer, and Colton. I've said before, the better father would donate to their child's knighthood. That ain't me. I'm gunning for Viscount. <laughs> Screw the kids. So they can do their own donating. Yeah. Subsequently, we now listen to this episode. We'll now listen to this episode and specifically this donation segment for next month, every morning on the way to school, <laughs> like Charlotte's Web and Little Mermaid. <laughs> This donation is also in honor of my grandfather's Lieutenant Colonel Harry Richard Bangs, my namesake, and Lieutenant Commander William Likes. Wait a minute. Thanks for all you do. So it's one thing to be called Dick Bangs, but then Harry Dick Bangs? I mean, this is a great family. I really appreciate that. Harry Dick Bangs. And uh, while we're on that topic, I would also like to uh, dedicate to the memory of my grandfather's uh, Albert Schobel, who landed uh, on Omaha Beach, D-Day, Signal Corps, received Purple Heart, lived to tell the tale, died peacefully in his chair at the old age of 95. And Lieutenant Commander uh, Renwick Eugene Curry, who uh, was in the South Pacific, okay, it wasn't D-Day, but uh, participated in other pieces. Um, and uh, he also uh, passed away uh, uh, when he was, he was 98, I think, 97. Wow. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. And with all wow. his hair. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be well, old should, and hairy. My father, Walter Dvorak, who was a Navy uh, chief petty officer, and then when he got uh, discharged, he was a first-class petty officer. So that tells you something. And that was uh, World War One, World War II. <laughs> I had you. <laughs> I got you for a second. No. No. Uh, so let's give these guys some... Uh, do they need anything specifically, Karma? I'll give some karma. I'll give these the kids, kids some karma. I'm going to give them some goat karma. Kids love that. You've got <laughs> karma. All right, for you bangs, kids. And last on the list is Samosa Candace at $200. My friend Parker apparently punched me in the mouth recently, so I'm a new listener, and this is my first donation. Please read this out loud because Parker listens to you and needs to hear this. Parker. You are too old to go to medical school. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Do not go past go. Do not collect your $200. All right, Parker. That's your, that, I don't know what, what Parker, Parker is. Maybe just a Parker's just ambitious. Parker, what are you going to do? You got to let us know. Okay, that's it. That's our group of executive producers and uh, associate executive producers for show 1144. Yes. I did want to thank the, uh, is it the Neck family, N-E-C-H, Tyler Neck, 
sent me a, sent Tina and I a nice card to the P.O. Box, my P.O. Box, 18209, Austin, Texas, 78760. Wishing you many prosperous years. Uh, but he included a note, and he has be- the reason it really caught my eyes, he has beautiful cursive handwriting. Old school. Uh, in the morning. Is it cursive handwriting or is it calligraphy? Cursive. Okay. In the morning, the latest episode was really an eye-opener with regards to Gmail. I looked into just how much data Google has on me, and I was blown away. I've used Gmail since beta. I'm now looking into alternatives thanks to you. Your show makes my job molding rubber stamps a very educational experience on Mondays and Thursdays. Congrats on the wedding. Thanks for the podcast. That was really nice. And I'm glad that that makes me happy when I hear someone like, I'm making rubber stamps all day. But you know what? My my day is much better when you guys do a show. I'm going to correct myself. The proper use of the word is longhand, not cursive. Noted. When I was a kid, it was always longhand. Nobody ever said cursive until the millennials came along. No, I, I think I got cursive, and that was 70s, and I am I am not millennial. Well, 70s, okay, well, mm. it's possible in the 70s. But when they brought in the term cursive is when they stopped doing it. <laughs> Isn't it always that way, bastards? Taking away our cursive longhand. Well, thank you. To our two executive producers and three associate executive producers, you get these titles because you came in at the appropriate levels, which makes it a fact. And these are valuable credits that are recognized anywhere uh, as valuable credits. And you can uh, put them on uh, different stationery, uh, different uh, screen names, use them in your uh, CV, pitch letter, whatever you want. If anyone ever questions your executive or associate executive producership, let us know. We will gladly vouch for you. And please, everyone else, consider supporting us for the next show, which will be on the other Thursday, which is Sunday. Go to Dvorak.org slash N-A. Yay! It's D-Day. <laughs> That's all Our I got. formula <laughs> is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Uh, I promised uh, some dumb Pelosi stuff. Yeah, just just I'd a little. Like to hear some. Yeah, just a little. Just two two quick things, two little dumb Pelosi things. Uh, the first is regarding the uh, the presidential oath, which always you know it always bothers me when someone says, "At first, the job of the president is to protect the American people." Yeah, this is your favorite thing. You yeah. have like two or three pet peeves. That's number one. Yeah, it's, it's way up there. Uh, the actual oath of office is. Um, I will read you. It's not that long, but it's just good to reiterate. Uh, I do solemnly swear, you can say affirm, I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend. I think any politician would have to know, particularly Nancy Pelosi, I think she might have thought about being president at some point in her life, possibly. Uh, here's Pansy Explosi. What's important for... Yeah. 
tariffs to allow sanctions on enemies in the face of unusual and extraordinary threats. This is from the same president of the United States when all of the uh, intelligence agencies and now the Mueller report have clearly said that Russia made an assault on our elections. He won't defend our country from that happening in the future. From a president who says that assault that they are claiming that Russia made on our elections is a hoax. That's not supporting and defending the Constitution of the United States. But back to your question. Supporting? Supporting the Constitution. Is that where is that where she's going? That's no, what she said. It's no longer preserve, protect, and defend. It's supporting. Would you please support this? Support this? No, she's always thinking about supporting bills, I guess. Uh, That's bullcrap what she said. Totally. Unbelievable. Well, this is... Now, she's, she's right on about impeachment. And she, uh, although she goes into a very wacky explanation, she, I think she's very clear on why impeachment proceedings should should take very take it very slowly and not jump into anything and uh, it is mainly door the undereducation of the american population and certainly even journalists in many parts of the world have no idea what the impeachment process actually is what's important for people to know first of all i travel all the time in the country do you know most people think that impeachment means you're out of office did you ever get that feeling or are you just in the bubble here they think that you get impeached, you're gone. I, I think she's right. I truly believe there's, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of otherwise pretty smart, educated people who think, yeah, we impeach him, we'll be out. I don't think they know how the process works. It's an interesting thesis. and I, I, would, I would agree. I think most people don't, you know, they just, if you talk to these people around here, you impeach him, he's out. We put, and I've, as you recall, we actually have evidence of this. Some people think that if you impeach him, Hillary becomes president. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a while. Um, so the process is, and she's go, and she's going to explain how this works. So let's just tackle it up front. Uh, it's a political process. It's not a legal process. It's a political process. When you use the Twenty Fifth Amendment, it is a constitutional process. And the and it's really very simple. You need to pass the uh, uh, articles of impeachment in the House, and that is a recommendation to the Senate, and the Senate then votes to remove the president or not. That's it. It's very simple. It has to be two-thirds of the Senate, not a majority, but two-thirds majority, and there's nothing else to it. Nancy takes it into a very... Wa- so she just got through saying, this is not, uh, this is, you know, you don't impeach and he's gone. Now she's going to really convoluted that you get impeached you're gone and that is completely not true and i may have thought that myself what? 50 years ago 50 years ago but you get impeached and it's an indictment yeah. it's an indictment no i mean if she means indictment in the literal sense of the word yes if she means indictment in the legal sense of the word uh no yeah. it's an indictment so when you're impeaching somebody, you want to make sure you have the strongest possible indictment because it's not the means to the end that people think. All you do, vote to impeach, bye-bye birdie. <laughs> it isn't that. 
It's an indictment. So you want to have the best possible indictment going through the uh, um, legal process in a way that shows accommodation, that we need the, to get the courts to rule in our favor because we've done it correctly in the rest. So it is, um, it is the business of the committees to do that. And when they decide how their accommodations and their uh, conversations are going, then we respect that. Thanks, Nancy. No one learned anything from that. <laughs> Completely <laughs> stupid. But I agree that she, that she's probably right. People think, oh, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just impeaching. No, she is probably enough. right on that. Now, I have a, an old clip. It's not that old, but it's old enough. It's like probably a year or two old. Uh, and... There's a lot. One of the things about this whole impeachment thing is there's a propagandistic mechanism used, but it wants to be used by the Democrat to humiliate the president. Yeah, exactly. And and they've gone out of their way to kind of redefine everything. So they that's why I think a lot of people think that if you impeach the president, he's going to be gone or Hillary will be in or whatever. And I want to I have one of the best examples of a douchebag kind of redefining things and rewriting history for all practical purposes and changing the way, you know, the, the both parties do this, but it's changing the way the debate is is uh, formulated, the way you phrase things, the way you put things. And this is Jamie Raskin, uh, the congressman, talking about Nixon and, and Clinton. And we're talking about impeachment here. And listen to the way this is put. Uh, one sexual affair. And this is about organizing a whole pattern of lies in order to deceive the Congress of the United States about a matter of national security and a matter that goes to the heart of American national sovereignty. Um, so lying and obstruction of justice have figured centrally in the impeachments that we've seen in modern times, that is, in the Nixon impeachment and, of course, in um, the articles of impeachment brought against um, Clinton's. What? Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> lying? So he's saying lying. You can be impeached for lying? Is that the conclusion well, he makes? Well, in this case, uh, there's the, the real problem with what he said is there were Nixon was never impeached. Nope. He said he was. Well, of course he's dumb. He said he was impeached and then he and then instead of saying that Clinton who wasn't was impeached didn't leave <laughs> wasn't he thrown leave, out. But he was he was impeached. He says it was just the, he puts Nixon impeached Clinton articles that were written up to be impeached. Yeah, he's he's got it the wrong way around. <laughs> He's got it completely back backwards. Now, what he's talking about, and then he's he's taking the word lying as the reason. This is why yeah. they're all still irked about Clinton. Oh, he yeah. just lied. So <laughs> why did he get impeached? And he did get impeached. Nixon didn't get impeached. He he quit. He resigned. Yeah, he resigned before it could happen. And so, but okay, you want to say that you want to believe he was impeached? You want to say he was impeached? This is framing the argument again just to buffalo the stupid public. And now, but the thing about it wasn't about Clinton lying. It was about Clinton committing perjury. Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> well, and there's no examples of Trump committing perjury. You give Jamie Raskin way too much credit. I don't think Jamie Raskin knows himself. Very possible. Jamie Raskin, a, a, a genuine constitutional lawyer. Yeah. Uh, 
doesn't know that Nixon wasn't impeached? Not the you minute, think, not the minute, saying? the minute Jamie got on television, Jamie took a stupid pill, like most lawyers do. You know, it's a possibility. I'm not going to say it's not possible that he just doesn't know. All right. Anyway, I was just irked yeah. by that. I'd like to move to Australia. Not that I want to move there, although it might be nice. There's some crazy stuff going on in Australia. Lots of lots of dangerous animals. <laughs> the kangaroos, man. And by the way, kangaroos are douchebags. There, I said it. Um, the Australian Federal Police has been raiding the homes of journalists, including the offices of the Australian Australian Broadcast Corporation, uh, in search of documents they feel are illegally held. They're looking for sources. Um, it started a couple days ago. This is the first journalist, um, and it's all about one. They say it's about one particular case, which uh, we'll get to. Uh, here's the first journalist uh, who was, I think they came to her house. And by the way, the AFP, Australian Federal Police, is um, comparable to our FBI. Now to a story about an investigation into an Australian journalist. It's journalist investigating journalists. Now, this journalist is one who is accused of publishing classified documents. But this time, we're not talking about Julian Assange. Police in Australia have raided the home of News Corps journalist Anika Smelthurst. The government said they had a search warrant to investigate alleged publishing of information classified as an official secret. Now, last year, Smithhurst reported on a government plan to allow an Australian intelligence agency to spy on citizens. News Corp Australia has called it a dangerous act of intimidation. <clears throat> so that was the first journalist. But then uh, yesterday, or really two days ago for us, yesterday for Australia, the AFP uh, entered the buildings of the Australian Broadcast Corporation and... Uh, uh, with a warrant, with a very interesting warrant, and the you know, one of the executives, one of the news executives, decided, I think quite properly, to tweet what was going on. And here's a, it's a two-minute clip, but well worth listening to what happened. It's really outrageous when you think about it. If this happened here, people would be losing their crap, although maybe it's just a, a little setup. This uh, happened in the last 48 hours. Well, what happened, Patricia, is the, the AFP arrived here at about 11.30, three AFP officers at the um, front of the ABC in Sydney with a warrant um, to execute this warrant. They were met by ABC lawyers who then took them upstairs. Um, I, because our own director of news, Gavin Morris, is on the, on the warrant, he couldn't be present. So I asked our lawyers whether I could sit in on the room. I thought it would be good to have a journalist in the room. Otherwise, it's AFP officers and lawyers. Um, our lawyers said yes. And then when I was in there, I, I began live tweeting. Um, uh, I thought it was important for people to know there's, you know, this is not a confidential thing. They've come into our building. And then at one point, about an hour into it, one of the head of the AFP team looked at me and said, uh, so you're tweeting. I said, yes, I am. And he said, why are you doing that? And I said, because I think the staff and the public should know what's going on here. I said I wouldn't um, tweet out any confidential material, any operational matters or the names of any possible sources, which, of course, I wouldn't do as a journalist. And so he said, fine. So I've been in there several hours now. So right at the moment, up on level 11 of this building, I've just left it to do this interview. There are six AFP officers 
lawyers and about four ABC lawyers, they have downloaded 9,214 documents. I counted them. Uh, and they are now going through them. They've set up a huge screen and they're going through email by email. It's quite extraordinary. And I feel, as a journalist, I feel it's a real violation because these are emails between this particular journalist and his boss, her boss, its drafts, its scripts of stories. Um, I've never seen an assault on the media as savage as this one we're seeing today at the ABC. Because, you- of course, you know in, in journalism, in television, people do a script. Um, anyone at home can do a draft. And you add in a note saying, must check this with Joe Smith, must check that, ring this number. Um, they're trying to access all of those. And you've tweeted pictures of the warrant. Mm. It allows the AFP to add, copy, delete or alter material in the ABC's computers. Tell me about this scope of the warrant. It seems extraordinary to me. Is this standard? Well, no, of course it's not standard. This is this is a pretty big deal. And I am calling total bull crap on it's about some uh, classified documents about Afghanistan. You cannot see these things separate from the Five Eyes Security Compact, which is uh, USA, UK, Scandinavia, New Zealand, and Australia, the Five Eyes, who share intelligence. Just within days of Paul Manafort being basically given a death sentence, sending him to Rikers Island, Julian Assange on his deathbed, there's some there's panic and there's panic about something something some documents that need to be deleted maybe it's the connection between um the russians and the publishing of wikileaks emails i mean again this did happen in australia julian assange being an australian and they have a warrant which gives them the right to delete what the hell yeah the right to delete that's very interesting by the way this is what happens when you let them take your guns away Second Amendment well, protects the first in my, so in my book. here to with or without guns. But, but this brought me to Assange. So first of all, this is just outrageous, and I don't know why the guy's going on about scripts and, and stuff. I, can I throw a little extra thing in yeah, here? Please. I would have had a clip, please. but every single clip of this exchange between, I think it was Fox and Rand Paul, was flawed. I don't know why I couldn't find the original. I couldn't find it on Fox. Everyone had a... Uh, oh, I don't know anything sport. about it. I don't know anything about it. Okay, well, this was a clip with Rand Paul bitching and moaning for good reason uh, about the fact that John Brennan, who's in last year, his uh, security clearance was supposed to be pulled in July yeah. last year, has never been pulled. Oh, right. It was ordered by Trump to pull John Brennan's uh, security clearance was countermanded by somebody we don't know who. This has got to be tied in with that somehow. Could be. Well, so again, there's no coincidences in this life. And, and you know, the Assange being almost dead, so they say. Uh, I mean, what's the Manafort has been sentenced to death, basically. These are, you know, the president can't pardon him because he's, he's been incarcerated on state, uh, state, um, that's the word I'm looking for. Convictions uh, and sentencing. So the guy is just screwed. And I think it's because they want to, and maybe this goes right back to the thumb drive, 
and uh, maybe Seth Rich. And yes, thank you, thank you, the many of you who have uh, sent the information on how it was deduced that this was a thumb drive. I hate the term, a USB drive. Uh, for the the copied emails, I don't like thumb drive. Just sounds lame. I know you don't like it. We know that. And uh, there's tons of stuff in the show notes, but I think it's very reasonable to assume, uh, although it could have been copied in the uh, to a well, thumb now drive. There's a and, third scenario saying that the 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 information pre- presented to Benny. I don't have the clip of Benny going into this. I wasn't going to bring it up on today's show, but uh, may have been futzed with for the sole purpose of a misinterpretation by Benny. Oh, well, so again, everything's possible. However, one of our very alert producers reminded me of our first encounter with Steve Pachenik. And this was not when I was on InfoWars and he was a guest and we started talking. This was uh, back in November of 2016. And I remember bringing in a clip, and we, and I think we, I even pronounced it, his name as Pizenik, because I had no idea who he was. Steve Pachenik had a, all of a sudden, he surfaces with these, um, they were kind of, they were very highly stylized videos, nothing like the crap he's putting together today. These are really well edited, grayscale, close, you know, he had more hair for some reason, uh, only a couple of years ago. Um and he was talking about the coup. This was the Clintons uh, and uh, Hillary in particular, their, their coup against America. And he was saying, okay, we are from, we are security, military, intelligence guys. We are operating a, a counter coup on the Clintons. And I'm going to play a piece of that clip, which uh, we played just thinking it was, I played it thinking, wow, this is interesting. Some, some deep state guy says they're doing a counter coup. So we initiated a counter coup through Julian Assange, who's been very brave and, and really quite formidable in his, in his ability to come forth and provide all the necessary emails that we gave to him in order to undermine Hillary and Bill Clinton. Again, America, we're going through a major, major transition and, quite frankly, a second American revolution. I heard very clearly him saying the emails we gave to him. Well, you should wish you would have cued me on that before. You had to play it again. It's very short. Play it again. So we initiated a counter coup through Julian Assange, who's been very brave and, and really quite formidable in his and his ability to come forth and provide all the necessary emails that we gave to him in order to undermine Hillary and Bill Clinton. Yep. So I sent Dr. Steve a note. And I said, uh, Steve, seeing as, and I sent him the link to the video, seeing as you gave it to him, uh, what are the plans to reward this very brave man? You're just going to let him fucking rot? I literally emailed him that. And I got a reply. Which and, you will now read. Which, is, which relates to our question about the Espionage Act. Because of course you you said how can he be uh, tried on the Espionage Act if he's not a if he's not an American? Well, it all folds into his very simple answer. He is being designated as a spy that puts him out of the realm of regular courts. 
They will release him under special circumstances which will never be revealed publicly. They will release him? Yep. Well, I've, of course, been convinced that this, there's something to that. You've also made mention of the possibilities. But do you think, may and whether he's really sick or not, it's another issue, according to Pamela Anderson, he is. Mm-hmm. And she sees him. And uh, you think they're maybe working him over before they release him? <laughs> Show him a little, you know. Well, hey, just so you know, just remember who's boss. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna let you go under special circumstances. But here, take that. <laughs> yeah, so we do work him it, over. It, yeah, work him over a bit. Make sure During he knows who, who the boss is. I took a criminal a criminology course from the criminologist Corn. I think it was his name. Very famous guy was at the University of California, and they, yeah. they closed the department eventually because heaven forbid to have a criminology department at the University of California because he won't be able to produce as many spies. Mm-hmm. And he he recommended this book called The Third Degree, and people should go out and look for it. The Third Degree it was a book written in about 1933 about techniques to work people over and uh, in, employed by the New York police department. I think it was written out from a New York, but from the perspective of a New York cop. And it was just unbelievable. And I think the books out there is available. Uh, but one of the things I always thought was the, the worst imaginable uh, torture is without Novocaine, you grind down a molar. Oh, it just grind it down to nothing, and then you put a cap on it. And <laughs> wait, wait, is this? Is it safe? Is it safe? Is it a marathon? So marathon man, when we're doing that. So this the grinding, but they had all these techniques for hitting people with rubber inner tubes and all these things that won't mm. leave marks. And yeah. it was a very interesting torture document that the criminology uh, professor recommended reading if you wanted to read the worst case scenarios for everything. So they could be working him over and look, you know, well, kind of tired it, when he let him go. It certainly explains the crazy indictment under the Espionage Act. And because it's the Espionage Act, you don't go to a regular court. You go to a military court. And the military court is not public. They can do whatever the hell they want, and they can release them on special circumstances. And this is your red book right here, straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak. We'll see. Yeah. It's probably exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, if I know Pachenik, he doesn't want me calling saying, what kind of bullshit is that? Where was the crap? That you gave him the emails? We gave him the emails? Or that we were going to do this? So it's his reputation. We'll see. With me, at least. His reputation. But well, again, let's get back to Australia. What are they looking for? I think it's the connection. This is the... There's a link, and the, and the link is who gave the information to WikiLeaks. That's what the, that's they desperately want to to have this information. And there's a lot of people who desperately want to cover it up. So I well, think they just I, go ask Pachenik. <laughs> yeah, he's not well loved in the uh, in the deep state. <laughs> people don't like him very much. Is my well, impression? This is an abomination. An abomination. Uh, yes, it is an abomination. And well, if, the, if Hillary had taken over, she already thought she was got to admit. I have a clip from 2015 ABC News. This is Hillary making a prediction. 
Hillary Clinton, in the meantime, making headlines of her own tonight. We've seen the effect the White House can have on a president. People have long joked about the evolving gray hair. Tonight, Mrs. Clinton making a prediction. I've been coloring my hair for years. You're not going to see me turn white in the White House. Hillary Clinton and her prediction tonight. Racist. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> no, it's completely believable. <laughs> well, it's unbelievable. What's unbelievable is what's happening in Austin, Texas today. Uh, and I'm, uh, I've been following the homelessness Armageddon situation in Austin as a fantastic uh, example of what is happening across the country. We're relatively small in that regard. Uh, we're just getting started and screwing everything up. Thank you, Mayor Adler. Um, today, they, in fact, I have a clip and I have some uh, a boots on the ground report from Austin Police Department and then uh, a specialist in the field as this is something that we've seen happen in Los Angeles, San Francisco, and many other cities around the country. An Austin ordinance that meant to protect you from aggressive panhandling may be repealed. Some Austin city leaders say it unnecessarily criminalizes homelessness. Gags and Jujin show live at City Hall, where some want to vote on this this Thursday. Eugen. Yeah, Robert and Sydney, this is a very controversial topic here in Austin. I heard strong opinions today from both sides. Some people are actually wanting the city council to postpone the discussion and vote altogether. The rules we are talking about, they're actually pretty strict. Right now, Austin bans panhandling at near banks, um, schools, as well as bus stops. It also says you can't ask for money here in downtown between 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. Austin also makes it illegal for people to sleep or sit down in public places downtown. According to an audit, there were about 18,000 citations issued in two years to people violating the no-sit and panhandling rules. Most of them didn't show up for their court dates, which then led to warrants being issued. That, some people say, makes it hard for homeless people to get the services they need. Most important for us right now is to recognize that this is a multifaceted... This is the douchebag Mayor Adler. I just want to, I left it in here just to hear what a dick he is. We have to work together to solve the problem. ...for homeless people to get the services they need. Most important for us right now is to recognize that this is a multifaceted problem and we're only going to solve it if we bring everybody together. Oh, why don't you do it already, Mayor Adler? Panhandling laws have come under some fire since a U.S. Supreme Court decision in 2015. Reed versus the town of Gilbert was about temporary signs for directions to a church. Ultimately, the ruling found laws and rules based on the content, content of a message violate the First Amendment. And since then, the case has been cited in challenges to numerous panhandling ordinances nationwide. You see, the idea is panhandling is free, is free speech. So you can't restrict someone from saying something like asking you for money. It's very interesting, Austin. The ration being you cannot stop a person from asking another for money without violating their right to free speech. Uh, How about bit asking of- if you, if you want to pay for sex? How come the prostitution laws aren't uh, be kicked out because oh, no. of the First Amendment rights? Huh? Oh, no, no, that's okay. If you're if you're homeless, 
If you're a homeless hooker, yeah, then then you're good to go. Asking another for money without violating their right to free speech. Another bit of city code that's up for consideration is Austin's no sit, no lie ordinance passed in 2005 and was tweaked in 2011. It's designed to keep people from sitting or lying down in right of ways and sidewalks downtown. Police can't cite someone if they're sitting or lying because of a disability or as a result of a medical emergency. There will also be a vote on Thursday to ask the city manager to find a new homeless shelter within a couple of weeks. Councilmember Ann Kitchen's resolution asked for a report on the best options that could lead to permanent housing and wants the city manager to begin negotiations to buy a property no later than June 20th. So the bottom line here is that all the panhandling rules that are in effect, uh, they want to overturn them because it's sad. It's so sad for the homeless. And they keep referring to everybody who's panhandling as homeless instead of panhandlers. I don't know if all these people are homeless, which it, it really bothers me. I saw a homeless guy. You don't know if he was homeless. He's a panhandler. He was a drug addict. Most of them are. And here's what the Austin Police Department says. And this comes from uh, one of our producers who has uh, an Air Force buddy who's a police officer in Austin. Uh, the city council now occupied by, and this is, he's quoting his buddy. The city council now occupied by a majority socialist vote after the last election is going to decriminalize offenses committed by the homeless. Essentially, unless the homeless person commits a felony or violent crime, they will not be arrested or even ticketed. They'll be given a court date and a pamphlet of assistance options. The article states that the homeless don't show up for their court date. That's what you just heard in this report. That's true. But what it does not mention is the city council six years ago banned arrest and mandated tickets only for homeless crimes. Essentially, they created the problem. There are homeless that have hundreds of unresolved tickets, and they mention only a few of the offenses under question. This is going to apply to all city ordinances. This is what's not in the report. And the state C and B misdemeanors. So now shoplifting and criminal trespassing will no longer be an offense for those experiencing homelessness. Yay. <laughs> Welcome to San Francisco. We finally did it to Austin. Exactly. You, you're well on your way. And then I wanted to share a little longer note, um, which has to be anonymous, from uh, one of our producers who was an LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in homeless service provision going on for 10 years. For the first nine years, she says, I was in New York City, and the last year I've been working in Sacramento. This week, my team went to San Francisco for a training, and although I was looking for poop piles, I was instead awestruck by the fact that walking down the street, the number of people who appeared to be experiencing homelessness, yes, Adam, that is the precious way we say it, noticeably outweighed those who were not. Walking down the street, it truly felt like there were more homeless people than not. I am not totally familiar with San Francisco, so I rec- recognize this could have been that particular street or neighborhood, but I think it was around Market and Six. Well, <laughs> yeah, right, no. near, right near Twitter. <laughs> but it was still very striking. Even after doing many years of frontline street outreach in New York City and varying levels of responsibility, all the way from social work intern up to program director, I have never felt so struck by the condition, and I can't pinpoint why the East Coast seems to have it so much more dialed in than out here. I'm not saying it's perfect in New York, and I know I sure bitched about it while I was there, but coming out here sheds a whole new troublesome light on it. I know there's plenty... Go ahead. Yeah. She's, she's nailing it. No, it's good. 
I know there's plenty of funding for services in such a liberal state as California, but I don't know where it's really going. I now sit in meetings where the conversation is, should we have another task force to study the task force that's already studying the problem? I would like to believe that the policymakers here are smart people who would have studied models that are working correctly and efficiently, such as on the East Coast. And I don't understand what the disconnect is. When I left New York City in 2018, I think at last count, homeless count was somewhere around 2,000 street homeless people in all of New York City. There are 3,500 in Sacramento. That's insane when you compare the size to the population. Granted, there are 60,000 people in the New York uh, City shelter system, but at least they're indoors receiving various services around physical and mental health, substance abuse, and employment training. Here in Sacramento, we have nowhere to put people who are on the street and want to come inside. I know things like the Seattle is Dying uh, documentary highlights substance abuse, and my colleagues at Sacramento PD feel that we are headed that way, and lack of empowering law enforcement as the problem, and it just may be. However, I hear people, particularly our females, say all the time that they use meth in order to stay awake all night so they don't get robbed or beat up or raped while living on the street at night, and they started using drugs and they became homeless as opposed to being homeless due to a drug problem. And also, and this is winding it up, I cannot count the number of times we find someone who became homeless after missing a few rent payments and getting evicted. Then they're living in their car with their minor children, and then it goes downhill from there. In New York City, the shelter system would be a safety net for that kind of thing. In fact, it would be illegal to have kids sleeping in cars or on the street. Here in Sacramento, we see homeless minors in cars with parents very often, and we have nowhere to put them as one family shelter has a waiting list a mile long. So while it's a complicated problem, I believe that we really just need more safe places to put people transitionally so we can work helping them get clean and connected to health care and employment. <sighs> Let them live in tents. And that's kind of what it is. I mean, and, and this is what I'm seeing in Austin. It's like we don't want a homeless shelter near, uh, not my backyard. NIMBY. Uh, NIMBY. NIMBY. Don't want it around here. Uh, I, 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 interesting the the meth to stay awake during the day, so you, uh, at night, so they can sleep during the day. Um, that sounds sketchy. But there's no doubt that America has become a very complicated place to live, and I, and that's particularly with housing in general, just the cost of housing, and yeah, people living. Uh, Paycheck to paycheck, you miss one or two, you're out. It's not the case in Utah necessarily. Well, yes. Um, somehow this compassion, and this is what's going on in Austin. Like, well, we can't, we can't do this. We can't, no, we can't stop them from doing that because it's sad. You know, they're experiencing homelessness. Yeah, experiencing. That's that's the that's the that's kicker. The, yeah, that's. At least this producer of ours, and I really appreciate she gave us all this information. Never at one point in her email did she say my clients, because that, that would have that would have triggered me. That would have been the end. <laughs> then we would have known where she is. But uh, yeah, so Austin is, a, is, and this is Mayor Adler, and he is taking it down. The poop on the street is next. You're right. Yeah. Congratulations, San Fran. Good job. Well, I think, you know, Austin's always been a target city for uh, Californians that just think everything's too expensive here. Yeah. Uh, or they didn't ratchet. I mean, the, the way to get around the expensive is you got to get in and stay in and you ratchet up. And it's not really that expensive at that point. But if you're coming in, 
out of the blue, yeah. uh, naked, as it were, you're just going to go broke here. Um, yeah. I would tell people always, you know, if you're homeless, I, I recommend Santa Monica. I think that's the place <laughs> to be. Hey, as long as it's not Austin, I'm happy. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. We have a few people to thank. And I did say that we'll mention any veterans who are uh, uh, celebrated in this particular segment. And I want Adam to, uh, we will, I'll read the names and donations. And if there's a veteran that needs his name called out, Adam will do it because he'll be reading alongside. As I always do. Does that sound good? Yep. Sounds like a deal. Starting with Martin Chirsky. $133.75. $133.75. And he actually has a number of things to say, including uh, a couple of douchebag call-outs. Uh, Let me see. He has obligated to call out his colleague Marine as a douchebag. Douchebag! I introduced him to the podcast during our road trip exploring the national parks of the U.S. West Coast, and he still has not contributed to the show. Current residence, Tokyo. Thank you, Martin, and thank you for your courage. John. Let me be known as Air Force John. Uh, $130. D-Day 75th anniversary is the 55th anniversary of my birth, so you're on the list, of course. This is also my first donation. Please de-douche me. You've been de-douched. I've been listening for about 10 months now. It is my favorite podcast. Looking forward to the Oklahoma City meetup. Let me be known as Air Force John. Yeah. Uh, John Robinet, $100. Dame Amy of the Traveling Bassets. <laughs> Uh, in Bergen, New York, $100. And she has a birthday on the list there. Uh, yeah, her, her husband, Jim. Oh, wait. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, the show date is my husband, Jim's 45th birthday. A few years ago, he successfully hit me and our first human resource in the mouth. Oh, child abuse. <clears throat> Two years ago, he surprised me on my birthday by giving me my damehood. Finally, I'm able to give him the gift of knighthood. Now we can sit proudly at the round table together. We do encourage uh, knights and dames to intermingle. However, we are having some debate about his title. He wants Sir Jim of the Tug Hill Plateau. I'm not sure that's acceptable because it's a region. Please discuss with the Peerage Committee and let us know. Thank you for all the hard work and dedication you put into the show. Sincerely, Dame Amy of the Traveling Bassets. I think it's it's acceptable. Yeah, it's acceptable. Absolutely. Thank you for your courage. Bergen, New, New York. Dame Amy. Ashton Banta in Springfield, Missouri, 99.99. With a birthday. We'll get to that in a moment. A birthday coming for him. Richard Duke in uh, Mattaponi, Virginia. You ever heard of that? Never heard of it. No, 9090. No. Neil Bottom, Bottomley in Barnsley, South Yorkshire. Baroness Karen of the Blue Moon, Colorado Springs, 75. Oh, by the Neil was 8008 boob. Boob. Baroness Karen of the Blue Moon in Colorado Springs, 75. Noah Wattenmacher, Wattenmacher, 75. James, and 75, by the way, is the is the 75th anniversary, celebrating the 75th anniversary of D-Day. James uh, Gilkison. Yes, Gilkison. and he says on the 75th anniversary of D-Day, I would like to call up my late grandfather, James L. Warren, who was in the Army in World War II in the Pacific Theater. Joseph Finley, $75. For his grandfather. Uh, and my, he says, this is for my grandfather past and my wife's grandfather. 
who was still kicking at 96 years young. And he reads the newspaper without glasses. It's crazy. Wow. Good for him. <laughs> Uh, Joseph Finley. Or is that Joseph Finley? I'm sorry. Yeah, that was Joseph, yeah. Uh, uh, Bretta, 75. Bretta. Uh, Jacobina Kunin, 75. Eileen, Eileen Soar. <laughs> That's interesting. That's pronounced Soar. Yeah. 75. Uh, Sir Roger on Ice, 75. Sir Roger on Ice in remembrance of my father who flew in B-17s as the war ended in Europe and then sat on Guam waiting to fly B-29s when the big bombs stopped it all. Thanks to you guys for what you continue to do. Thank you for your support. Ian Field, 75, from Great Britain. Jason Hartung in Gard- Gardner, Massachusetts. Hold on. 75. I, yep. Uh, and he's got to call it this. No, 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 sir. The next sir one. Rulian does. Uh, sir Rulian. I love that. That Sir Rulian to his father, Billy Smith, who enlisted at age 16 to spend two years in the Japanese occupation force, later recalled for the Korean War and never spoke of it. Can understand. Not, not uncommon. Brian Warner in Bow Creek, Michigan. 75. Sir Kevin McLaughlin, Viscount of the Moon in Locust, North Carolina. Sir Kez, uh, I'm sorry, Jeffrey Breyer, 75. Russ Curry in Rio Park, New yeah. York. Russ says, in honor of my Uncle John and father, both World War II veterans. Evan Gable in Vinton. Uh, you missed Eric Crawford. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Eric Crawford in Lubbock, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan Gable in Vinton, Virginia. He's got a birthday. Ronan Sir Craig Porter, 75. No particular call out there. Christopher Harabarak, Harabarak, which is something he he spells out because there's no way I'd pronounce it that way. <laughs> no, one could, no one could ever spell that one out. Yeah. 7224, Pickering, <laughs> Pickering, Ontario, Canada. Sir Sam of Bedfordshire and the Great House. He says, 69, 69, and he 69, says, is getting desperate here, boys. Please sort me out with some karma, Sir, ba- Sir Sam of Bedfordshire and the Great House. I think the sixty nine sixty nine is the desperation plea. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to his rescue. You've got karma. Knights looking for sixty nine karma. Need Miranda help. Wonder sixty seven forty. It's a birthday donation for the love of her life. Rao, yes. Uh, Bobby Curiel in Pahala, Hawaii, 666, 6.66, 66.66. A quartet of sixes, as he calls it. Quartet of sixes. Mm-hmm. Bart Burton's 6644. Richard Hillenbrand, 6619. Uh, Bart, Bart Burton's from the Netherlands says, this is for remembering all the women and men who risked and gave their lives to rid Europe of national socialism. Yes, good. Richard Hillenbrand, 6619. Joshua Parchman in El Paso, Texas, 6404. Uh, Dame Jamie, uh, 5819. And let's see, what does she have here? Happy Father's Day. Oh, that's early. Okay. Jobs karma. Oh, she sent a note in uh, discussing that this was early. It was a mistake. She, She sent a note in saying, I'm sorry, I thought this was Father's Day and 
She says it's not till next Sunday, and well, she was, uh, this I think there were two of those, and I don't know Dame Jamie. No, Dame I, Jamie, I guarantee, is one of them. Happy Father's Day to Sir Mad Hatter. June fourth was baby number two's due date, but he was born on. Oh, congratulations! Born on the eighth of May. I hope this donation can bring us some job karma so we can get the F out of Connecticut and maybe get some nipple karma because this human resource is determined to destroy every part of my body he can. Love, Dame Jamie. Yes. She sent some... She sent some... Fo- Hold on. Yeah. You've got karma. We always break for nipple karma. She sent some photos in and was complaining that her daughter couldn't go visit her in the hospital because she was a flu risk. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Crazy. And we'll, and we'll hit you with a jobs karma at the end there, Dame Jamie. Uh, Carl Madden in Enfield, Middlesex, UK, fifty-five, fifty-five, And he's looking forward to the meetup in London next week, as uh, as are we. Jeffrey Hunt in New York City, fifty-five, ten. That only goes on the dime. I want some jobs karma. Put that at the end. Uh, Michael Gates, fifty-two, eighty. Michael Burdett, fifty-one, ninety-one. And the following people are $50 donors, name and location. Uh, Andrew Martin in Sin- Sydney, Australia. Uh, Robert Dreikason, 50 parts unknown. Scott E. Knight in Lost Wages. Paul Van Cordelor in Imuden. Imuden. You're getting there. One day. One day. Villarreal. Villarreal in Mercedes, Texas. The best name we have. And last but not least, Matthew Janizewski in Chicago, Illinois. I want to see if there's any any call-outs or any vets at the bottom here as we scroll down to the bottom. Uh, no, just some complaints about PayPal and not much else. Okay. And, that's been, and this is probably the last big celebration of D-Day in this manner. I mean, there will be no more. They're not, no one's going to be around for 100 Shoot, we may not no. be around for. <laughs> in fact, twenty-five I'm pretty... years from now seems unlikely. Yeah, but the, uh. Uh, but also the, the, you know, D-Day is not even celebrated much in the United States. It's the Russians who celebrate it bigly because they have, uh, you know, they don't want. Well, the know, Russians lost 20, twenty-one million people. Yeah, and they lost twenty-one million people doing it. Yeah, you know, the Dutch are celebrating. They have all kinds of celebrations going on. And they invited everybody, including the Germans, but not the Russians. This is shameful. It's totally shameful. And it's a perversion of history to an, an incredible degree. Shameful. It's just shameful. You're right. It's just shameful. Screw you guys. It's nasty. That's anyway, nasty. I want to thank all these folks for being uh, producers for show 1144 uh, and all the people that donate lesser amounts. Also, thanks for the uh, support. We really need it. Yeah, excuse me. And a couple people in there, uh, just under the fifty, they do that for reasons of anonymity, including our our uh, clinical caseworker. So we appreciate her support of the show as well. And anyone who's on uh, some of our subscriptions, which are definitely uh, helpful, <laughs> it, it does give us some form of a base. And you want to check those from time to time. PayPal has been known to unsubscribe you and blame us, which of course we would never do. Uh, but really, it's it's great to see everyone supporting us, and in particular, uh, the uh, commemorations for the World War II veterans and D-Day veterans. And remember, we do this twice a week on Thursdays and Sundays. We'd love to do this again with you, and please send your value to... Dvorak.org slash N-A. Now the jobs karma we all need. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You've got... 
Karma. Looking at our meetups for a moment uh, today in Seattle, Washington. There will be a meetup tomorrow in Toronto, uh, Scandinavia, Oklahoma City on June 8th. We know there are people looking forward to it. June 12th, London. Uh, Tina the Keeper and I will be in Acte de Présence, uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, go to noagendameetups.com to uh, find out all the details. The 15th will be in Copenhagen. Wish I could be at that one. It's not going to work out. Uh, July 4th, Seattle, Washington again. July 9th, Knoxville, Tennessee. July 13th, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, on July 20th, a new entry, Southwest London. So I think London's going to just keep on doing them. I like this. Uh, and there's enough of you there, too. July 20th, Buffalo, New York. Uh, again, to get more information, more detail, or start your own meetup. It's great. Y'all have like a little hidden language, and uh, there's no triggering. It's a perfect uh, couple hours to go drink and hang out with some fun people, and it's incredibly important. You need that human contact. Um, see, they have. Oh yes. Well, now now we have our birthdays. of June D-Day 2019. Here's our list of birthdays. John Byrne celebrates his 55th today. Dame Amy of the Traveling Bassets, as we heard, uh, says happy birthday to her husband Jim. He turns 45 today and she gave him a knighthood. Ashton Bonta says happy birthday to her husband Bo Brown, Sir Burgess of the Ozarks. He'll be celebrating on the 10th. And Evan Gable celebrates today and tomorrow. We say happy birthday to Raul on behalf of Miranda Wonder. Happy birthday from everybody here at the best podcast in the universe. One nighting today. We know exactly who that is. So that would be Jim. And if you can get your Jim Blade out. Yeah, perfect. Jim Burlingham, step on up, sir. How about that? You've got quite a woman there, my friend. Thanks to uh, your combined support, but her pushing you over the edge. I'm very proud to bring you into the No Agenda Roundtable of the Knights and Dames and pronounce the KD, Sir Jim of the Tug Hill Plateau. My friend, for you, we have Hookers and Blow. We got Rent Boys and Chardonnay, Dr. Pepper, and a quick handy. Beer and Blunts, Robinus Women and Rosé, Geishas and Sake, Vodka and Vanilla, Bong Hits and Bourbon, Sparkling Cider and Escorts, Ginger Ale and Gerbils, Breast Milk and Pablum, Fish Pie and Fellatio, Polish Potato. Vodka, or if you prefer, we always got some mutton and mead. <coughs> Go to noagendanation.com slash rings, and we'll get that off to you as soon as possible. It's actually going to, there's a funny piece here, and you know, we have our donation model, our value for value model. There was, um, where is it here? Oh yeah. One of our producers, um, who's also been around the podcast world for a long time i think i have to be real cagey about this because he's doing a he's been asked to produce a podcast for a mainstream media outfit who have broadcast already and uh, so a podcast and he's been asked to be the executive producer and create uh, i don't know how many episodes but i guess a season so what is that anywhere between seven and twelve and of course the case is over a hundred episodes <laughs> Well, here's what's fun. Uh, so the way it works in, in big time mainstream is they get an agency involved and uh, the agency, of course, has to, uh, you know, they know all about podcasting. And, uh, and so they wrote up a briefing as to what was necessary to bring this podcast seven to 12 episodes to life. First, there's a pilot. 
then there's a salary for the host for 30 to 50 hours, a producer salary, 70 hours, an editor, 5 to 10 hours. Uh, there will be costs for travel. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Uh, not that I want to interrupt this. This is because this is hilarious. But <laughs> why is the editor's hour so low? I don't is know. That five, is that per week or per the whole thing? I think it's for the whole thing. 10 hours? Are you kidding me? I don't think they're going to cut it. Maybe they're, not, maybe they're oh, expecting it's me. to be live to tape, you think? I don't know. Okay, anyway, continue. Um, so there'll be uh, travel, uh, expected timing, six weeks of production, <laughs> product review during two-week intervals during the pilot period, Oh, yeah. Approval. So, key activities approval of pilot production timeline and budget, regular check ins with the editor. I think I think by editor, they don't mean audio editor. I think they, they mean um, content editor. Well, that would be the producer, though, wouldn't it? Now, the producer's going to be doing the Why damn the editing. Why producer got so many hours? Because <laughs> the, producer's, the producer's going to be editing. Yeah, here it is. Pilot concept must first be approved by lead editor. There you go. So they don't even have the, the right language. And then yeah, they're going to have up to three rounds of feedback on drafts. Upon approval, audience testing of the pilot. <laughs> this is great. We'll do it for half. Whatever you put in there, we'll do it for half. <laughs> do it for half. <laughs> and we could do it for a tenth. Don't tell them. Don't give it away. <laughs> We'll do it for a half. Wow. <laughs> Crazy people. Are these people nuts? Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yes. What am I asking? What am I saying? You know, I, yeah, you, I, you, know, you know the answer. You know the answer to that. We need a lot more work. We need more people. Uh, so I discovered something kind of scary. Well, not scary. Just something that I've, I've hated and I really wish it wasn't in effect. But uh, you know these ring doorbells? Yes. Uh, this is uh, a video doorbell uh, that uh, you is it was purchased by Amazon, and Amazon uh, apparently I didn't realize this has been creating. Well, we've talked about it, but didn't it, now it's out and it's just a fact, and everyone's really happy about it. Uh, they're creating a video surveillance network, and they're not just doing it for you or for me. They're doing it for uh, local police. Here's an example from their uh, website. We have ring cameras in our community, and we understand the value of those cameras in helping us solve crimes. I was amazed how many cameras were just in our neighborhoods to begin with. As police officers, we cannot be everywhere, so we rely on our citizens to use the Neighbors app. I'm calling the police right now. I'm sending this video to the cops. The information that we receive from our residents have been instrumental in solving crimes in our city. We'll get that information, we'll share it to our law enforcement officers, determine whether or not it's part of another crime that we're looking into. Being able to reach out to our citizens on the Neighbors app when we have a crime or we have an incident and ask them to share that information with us is incredible. Incredible! And the incredible part is they... uh, it's very simple. They say, hey, you know, since you're uh, going to be, uh, you got this video door, but why don't you participate? Be a crime buster with us. You can do it. That's Just check this box so we can share this with local officials to make sure you're safe. And you even heard in that clip, yeah, we'll even check and see if it's some other crime we're working on. We'll just take all that video from you. Ha! 
So now they have an app called the Neighbors app. And you don't need a ring doorbell for this, which is why I acquired it to take a look at it. And this uh, lets you draw a little uh, parameter around the, the map of your area, your neighborhood, your home, however close or far away you want it to be. And it will then show you all of these clips of crimes committed on ring doorbells. And I don't think I have to explain the danger of this, that, that, that there is a, a surveillance network sanctioned by the people themselves who think this is a great idea until it's you. And they're even subsidizing these things with some communities, almost giving them away. Yeah. This is, this is, I mean, and people don't, they just, oh, this is great. They don't even see the problem. Well, why don't you explain the problem and give us an example of where the problem, give us an example of this problem. Well, it's about, first of all, when you give permission, that's the, where the problem is. You give permission for anyone to look at this uh, who Amazon deem fit or ring. And people do this. They gladly do it. Just look at the wording. And like, oh, of, of course, course they do. Of course I want to do this. Of course I want to help. And the problem is, is that you have a spy network that can be used to find out where you were, what you were doing, what time did you come home. And oh, by the way, uh, wouldn't it be really odd if uh, I came home let me see. You you come home, uh, your wife is on vacation or on a business trip, and uh, you come home with a hooker. I'm just giving you an example. Well, you're not coming home with a hooker with these cameras in place. Exactly. Because your neighbor will be like, oh, what's going on there? I see some movement. Because it detects movement from, from, from a quite a broad area, from quite a broad spectrum. And then the, your neighbor will be like, Take a look at this. That's interesting. Oh, Adam's got a hooker. (laughs) Wait, wait. Why do you say Adam? I say you. It wasn't. You said you're talking about yourself. No, I said you come home. I changed it from I to you. To you. It's you, Dvorak. And Mimi has one of these things, doesn't she? Yeah, she loves it. Oh, of course. Well, I, I, I really don't want to go anywhere near a house that has this. Every house will have it. So I check mine for our area. And there yeah. was and there was only one recording, and it was hilarious. It was of someone taking the battery out of the ring doorbell, <laughs> <laughs> which is something I think makes sense. Hey, you you got this ring doorbell? You're spying on me when I'm driving down the street. I'm t- I'm disabling that thing. <laughs> anyway, it it is a huge spy grid component that just needs to be highlighted. And I and I and personally. I would like to tell my neighbors, I really don't appreciate you having that because you're recording me. I don't like it. Yeah, that's I, what they're doing. And I don't give consent for that. Not that it means anything, my consent. It's a, a foregone conclusion. I think you're right. Now, I think the thing is, uh, should be, uh, I have mixed feelings about it because the thing, it, it could be handy. I've had a situation where a cop has come to my house because I have a camera. Mm-hmm. And asked me if they if I they get some tapes because somebody got robbed down the street and they're trying to f- figure out who the hell they were or what car they were in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think you know it's if you're doing surveillance of your own place because you don't want to get robbed or somebody's stealing the mail from the outside mailbox or whatever, you should be able to do that without worrying about it. But I think it should be your property. Yes, it should not be something the the. I don't want my neighbor looking at my videos. Exactly. Uh, Although I think it would be hilarious to look at theirs. So this is kind of a two-edged sword. <laughs> so you're torn. 
<laughs> I'm torn. Yes, I understand your conundrum. But the cops come and they ask for, you know, you got you got it or you don't have it. I didn't have anything actually. Right. And couldn't help them. Yeah. And uh, so now that but the thing is they won't have to ask anymore. Just call yeah, well, call that Amazon. Bothers me. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, I'd like the cops to go around and do some work, actually get out of that office and drive over and do some little investigation and ask around and do that sort of thing as opposed to just staying in there monitoring like a like uh, there was a Simpsons episode about this. Well, and, and, you know, being busybodies is you really don't need to be looking at everything all the time. And it's like, the you know, Britain with all its cameras and all the rest. Well, I mean, I, having, I having a having I have a, mixed feelings about it. Well, having a spy grid is one thing. I, I think it's actually and people will understand privacy. You know what? I'm going to take it back. This is a great idea. More of this. I want all your neighbors, everybody to have a, a ring camera. Because you you know how you say I have nothing to hide. Oh, yeah. Well, you wait until your neighbor starts showing up and say, hey, look at what this neighbor was doing. Hey, look at that. Look what time he came well, home. Look what he was driving. Idea. He looked drunk. He was, oh, he was, what was going on with him? Here's another idea. You're a part of this network. You can look at everybody's camera and you're a, you're a creep. Yeah. You're a pedophile. Yeah. And so you, you get all gooey over the fact that, you know, this Miss Jenkins down the street and her cute little nine-year-old is going in <laughs> oh, and out God. of the house or she's playing in the yard. Mm, the things you and think you're of. recording it and sending it around. Look at this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, this is not good. No. It's creepy. It's creepy. I was so gonna... you want creeps? You want creeps watching your every activity? I don't think so. And I would have to assume that because, the, you know, any neighborhood of X number of people, it's all statistics. There's going to be one out of a hundred or one out of a thousand or one out of 10,000 numbers that you can look up right. that are going to be creeps. And they're going to have access to this, too. I don't think so. That's not a good thing. Al, how about this? <laughs> I have access to the network, but I hack my way in. I'm not really a neighbor. I just that's, part of this that's the best way. I signed up. Standard oh, passwords. There they go. Okay, who mm -hmm. is that? How many people in that family? There's one, two, three. There they are. All of them. One, two, three, four, five. Ah, yeah, they brought the baby. Yeah. Uh, they're getting in the car. Okay, and it's Tuesday at one. They're getting in the car and they're going someplace. And now they come back an hour later. Next Tuesday, they do the same thing. Uh oh, okay. Now I got it. I've got the pattern. I've been following these. I've been watching through their camera for a month now. And every Tuesday at a certain time, they leave the house, yep. all of them. Time to go a break and in. Go for an hour. I'm going to go boost their place. Yep. <laughs> boost. <laughs> Excellent. I know where the, the ring camera is. I'll just yeah. avoid making, I, I'll wear a mask. I'll wear a ski mask as I go up to the camera, smash it. Well, that's the next problem. The FBI says they have 640 million uh, photo, face photos in their database, which they can run against facial recognition. This stuff all works perfectly with facial recognition. It works way too well. <laughs> it does. I've, I've talked does. about it on the show before. Yes. I ran into this technology years ago. Yeah, it's good. And I, had, I could not fool yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so I, well, I didn't try gluing a third eye on my forehead, which apparently does work. Actually, two eyeballs over your two eyeball pictures over your eyebrows also seems to defeat it. Uh, right. Yeah, you made your point. Yeah. Um. Let me see. I had. He ended up convincing me. I had some tech news. I watched the Apple WWDC nineteen presentation, where everything yes. we always thought came true. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's no longer about Macs. It's only about the iPad. That's iPhone. That, no, it's no, not even. It's the iPad. It's not about the iPhone. Well, the, the moneymaker is the iPhone. No, it's not the moneymaker anymore. Hello, where you been? That's on the de- decline. They got big problems. People are not it's buying these phones. It's declining, but it's still the moneymaker. Yeah, okay, so I watched, the, I watched it, and they didn't give a shit about the iPhone. It was all about the iPad dark mode. Uh, and I think what they did just to finally end the Mac business, uh, I'm sure you saw this, they came up with this big honking FU Mac that, you know, when fully stacked is $35,000. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It, it, and then the 1000 the $5,000, what is the screen? 5000 bucks plus $1,000 for the screen stand? Yeah, and I wanted to pull some clips from the keynote, but it took them forever to put it back up. And then I found a YouTube version. All of them have been taken down because people were laughing about the developers booing when they announced the $1,000 stand. And Apple's like, oh, oh, we can't have that. Oh no! In fact, I have a clip. I think I've. I did get that clip. Listen to him boo. The Pro Display XDR will be forty nine ninety nine for the display itself. <laughs> and the Nano Texture version will be fifty nine ninety nine. The Visa Mount Adapter will be one ninety nine, and the Pro Stand nine ninety nine. And like the Mac Pro, they'll all be available in the, in the fall. So that is a new Mac Pro and Pro Display XDR. So they pulled it down because there was a negative reaction. There wasn't clapping for the thousand dollars stand. Thousand dollars for a stand? Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I, this, I this seems to be the big news. I'm like, what gives a shit? I thought the thirty-five thousand dollar Mac was more egregious. <laughs> We've been waiting for well, that's that. One for, way to kill it. I mean, and it's modular. I, you know, ten years ago, yeah, it would have been great. Now they're just bringing it in to kill it. And it's all about tchotchkes and, and memojis and uh, what else? With the health control. Yeah, you can track your health. Eh. Your watch and your phone, it'll track your health. What are you supposed to do with that? When you see that you know, your, your heart rate is high, what are, you, are you supposed to talk to your doctor? They never tell you what to do. Like. You can track your contact your doctor. Do you ever have a doctor you can just contact? Unless it's your next door neighbor. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need to because he's looking at me on his ring doorbell. Uh, He knows exactly what I'm doing. Well, I have a couple of clips then to cover our asses here. All right. I ran into, I thought it was, what the hell is this story all about? And I realized that CBS is running native ads left and right. (laughs) Why does that not surprise me? Here's a Walmart native ad. As far as, as far as I'm concerned, it's a news story, but it's a native ad. Walmart is offering new incentives to attract high school workers. They're now going to have access to free SAT and ACT prep courses, up to seven hours of free college credit, and a debt-free degree from six universities. About 25,000 high schoolers work at Walmart. Oh, well, then let me do a native ad. This showed up in USA Today. The video is not the native ad, but... The whole page that it was on was about HPV, you need the vaccination, get your Gardasil, HPV. This is Marsha Cross 
a famous actress from Desperate Housewives. Almost a year and a half after being diagnosed with anal cancer, 57-year-old Marsha Cross is opening up about her battle against the disease and her new outlook on life. After three intense months of treatment and many more of regaining normalcy, Cross gets real in this week's issue of People about her dream of breaking down the stigma around the disease. Here's her reason why. I wanted to come forward uh, because... When I was ill, I read a lot of blogs online or cancer survivor stories, or, and a, a lot of people, women especially, were too embarrassed to say what kind of cancer they had. They had a lot of shame about it, and the doctors even had um, were uncomfortable talking about the anus. And since I've gotten very comfortable <laughs> talking about the anus, I thought, okay, well, I think that I could probably help by making um, a little dent in that stigma. I, and I have to give her so much uh props i'm very humbled that she she did because you know we know how you got the ass cancer and if you're talking about hpv that's that's what this whole story is about so for her to do this and say hey you know this is a this remove the stigma i think it's very brave of her it's too bad that usa today took it into a total native ad but then they took it one step further now, while Cross had no warning signs that she developed the cancer, it was discovered by her doctors being thorough and performing tests that aren't always routine. Unfortunately, Cross was no stranger to cancer when she received that diagnosis. Her husband of almost 13 years, 61-year-old Tom Mahoney, is now healthy after a throat cancer diagnosis for him back in 2009. I mean, mind blown. What are these guys doing in their private time? Brave. Very, very brave. Go get your shots. Okay, I have a, I have another native ad. I didn't think it was a, at the time, but now I think it is. <laughs> this is the bogus red meat, white meat study, again on CBS, promoting, I believe, veganism. Could it be that something we have been told for decades about our food is wrong? There is a study out today that seems to suggest white meat, including poultry, may not be so healthy after all. It could affect your blood cholesterol level the same way as red meat. So we asked our Dr. Tara Narula, who is a cardiologist about this. Uh, so doc, it was a small study, about 100 people, but a lot of attention this headline is getting. What, what is this about? Right, it's important to talk about it because the headlines can be misleading. Sure. So nutrition science is complex. And as you mentioned, this was a small study, it was a short study. And what it didn't look at is if I eat white meat or red meat, do I increase my chance of things like heart attack, stroke, or death? What it did tell us is that if you eat white meat or red meat, regardless of how much saturated fat is in the diet, you raise your levels of LDL or bad cholesterol by about the same amount. And you raise them more than if you ate a plant-based diet. So either there's something in the animal protein itself that's raising that bad cholesterol level, or there's something in plant-based diets that's lowering it, or a combination of both. I feel like for so long, cardiologists <laughs> like yeah. you have said, limit how much red meat you eat. Does this change that? This isn't really going to change what we say. You know, there's a, red meat is a big category, and a lot of the red meat that's consumed in this country is fatty red meat that's full of saturated fat that increases that bad cholesterol. A lot of it is full of sodium. And so this study just looked at lean red 
red meat, and it looked at unprocessed red meat. We also eat a lot of processed things like bologna, sausage, and ham. In addition, what's interesting is that recent (laughs) research has shown that when you eat a lot of red meat, you change the microbiome, your gut bacteria. You actually produce a chemical that can be pro-inflammatory and help promote plaque formation in the arteries. So there may be something outside of the cholesterol that is worrisome about red meat. Bottom line, she said earlier, more plant-based, less meat. Thank you, Dr. Tara. Thank you. Bottom line, this is all just medical people making you feel comfortable. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. Total. You know what it is? Shut up already. It's science. That's all I need to remember. Science. I'm going to close it down, John. Otherwise, uh, the affiliates will be pissed. Yeah, they would. Had way too much fun. Uh, Coming up next on the No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com, a little bit of uh, Void Zero live, followed by Nick the Rat special, hosted by Zindu. I told you that No Agenda Stream is something to be, it's a force to be reckoned with. A special thanks to our end of show mixers. (laughs) Sean Cardinal comes in as a new entrant, and Tom Starkweather, we appreciate that. And please remember, this program only works through the Value for Value network system, which means you send us what you think it was worth. Dvorak.org slash NA. Coming to you from down uh, from the frontier of Austin, Texas, capital of the Drone Star State, FEMA region number six, and all the governmental maps in the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm still concerned about the watermelons, I'm John C. Dvorak. We return again on Sunday with another three hours of deconstruction. Until then, adios, mofos, and such. Republicans on the Hill haven't shown a whole lot of willingness to stand up to this president. He's got a 90% approval rating among Republican voters, and all the Republican senators know that. And every month those tariffs go from 5% to 10% to 15% to 20% and then to 25%. Hence the color orange. Now, tariffs is what it takes to get Mexico to do better on their side of the border. I'm all for tariffs. President Trump has a habit of proposing asinine and dangerous policies before backing off. It would be my hope that uh, that they're going to work out things so the tariffs don't go into effect. It just will not work. And this will directly and immediately affect the American consumer. So maybe it's just a threat. Who knows? I mean, he said the last thing that he said is that he's quite, he's deadly serious. When you say you and I know, uh, I don't know that at all. Here's what I know. I, I, I don't know whether to believe it or not. I say in this job, I know what I'm told, not what I know. But I do know that if we secure the Mexican-Guatemalan border, that would be a great way to stop folks coming all the way across. But we're not talking about override. We haven't seen anything yet, except the tweet. Mitch McConnell finally found his testicles because it's near his wallet. People have endured much worse than expensive avocados or a few more dollars here and there. And for the average American Brook, that is no small amount of money. Brook, a lot of money, $1,300. That any brand, of course, with avocado on the menu will be impacted by this tariff. I'm not blaming President Trump here. I'm blaming the Congress because we can't do our job. As you know, we have, uh, with uh, President Trump, been kind of a roller coaster. So sometimes he's going up, sometimes he's coming down. This is the man that lost more money than any other American person on the planet. This guy has lost more money than anybody. That's true. Thank you.
Video stores. When a license grinds on the public mind, it's forever cash. The corporate coast on Disney's ghost is coming back. The streets are filled by picture guilds. Resist because the orange fruit carved the resolute with swastika. I imagine worlds with Gitmo girls and better days. And Elon, I hope, can smoke his dough. In his Chevrolet. Best podcast in the universe. Mopo. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Sadiq Khan is a stone-cold loser. <laughs>